love this question. Um, what's it, what is it like being black in Canada? It's uncomfortable at times. It's scary. And it's, what's the other word I'm looking for? The only time I really feel comfortable is when I'm in my own home and I'm able to just really just be myself. You know what I mean? Or when I'm with family, I feel comfortable because they're like me. They have the same background as me. We celebrate the same things. We have the same culture and I don't have to explain myself or, you know, put on a, a fake personality just to be accepted. Um, I feel like when I'm driving, and I'm not even lying, whenever I'm driving, even though I have my license, my car is insured, everything, and I see a police car, I feel nervous, especially if it's driving behind me because I'm just like, oh my gosh, what if he pulls me over? What am I going to do? Like all these things just go through my mind and it's like I find myself driving a little below the speed limit just to be careful, whereas I see other cars just driving along so that's what I mean when I feel nervous and especially having a black son every time I drop him off at school I'm always praying over him hoping for the best you know praying that he finds favor with his teachers and that you know he's he gets along with the other kids and he doesn't have to experience being called the n-word which he did get called once um just stuff like that um or you know him being targeted because he's black um when I'm in the workplace I feel like I have to put on a different personality because I don't want to come off as, you know, the rude black girl or, you know, I, I don't want to come off as angry because I have to work much harder than everybody else around me. I don't want to come off as, um, what's the word? Um, ungrateful because I see other people who are not like me getting promoted um, especially to really good positions like anytime I see someone like me like another black person getting promoted I'm excited for them but it's like whenever I see somebody else of another race get promoted I kind of sort of feel away because at the end of the day I know some of it is not because of the work that they've done what else is it like being black in Canada? Um, sometimes I do feel uncomfortable because let's say I go to the grocery store and I have my headscarf on. Sometimes I can see at the side of my eye where, you know, somebody white is just looking at me and I can kind of feel like they're judging me. You know what I mean? Just on my appearance, they must think, oh, she must be ghetto or she's probably using food stamps or something like that. Like, that's just how I feel. Like, I, I feel like I'm always being judged. Um, based on my appearance, even if I look great, I, I still feel like I'm being judged. And it just seems as if I have to constantly <laughs> prove myself to other people. And I shouldn't have to because they don't have to prove themselves to me. I don't know. It's just hard being black no matter where you go. Hey, so I just wanted to give everyone my personal feelings and experiences about being a black male in today's society. Um, as a black male, I'm 37. Um, I often feel like overall we have a hill to climb. Uh, we have to always prove ourselves um, in different, and even in different settings. In the corporate world, 
I feel like we're always looked down upon. So I have to go the extra mile to let the people know that I'm, I'm intelligent, I'm qualified, and I'm not threatening. I'm wearing my glasses, even though I don't really wear glasses on a regular basis. But stuff like that, I feel like kind of gives people, you know, the, you know, the optics that, you know, maybe I'm not as threatening as they might think. And this could all be in my head. Um, I'm definitely aware that this could be something that I feel, but it's not really present. But because of, you know, my experiences, I feel like I have to do these things to let people know, hey, I'm qualified to be here. Hey, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not threatening in any kind of way. And this is a problem I think a lot of black men face in the corporate world. Uh, We often feel like we have to go the extra mile. You know, we can be extra qualified, overqualified, what have you. But we have to always prove ourselves. Um, So that's one um, way that I feel like, you know, we have to work a little bit harder um, also when it comes to you know things like dealing with the police as a black male whenever I hear those sirens I mean start thinking about all the cases that we've heard over the last you know two decades or so um, it's always a negative feeling when I think about the cops um, I get a little bit of a nervous feeling when I get pulled over I make sure that you know my hands are seen that I don't make any sudden movements I try to be as friendly and you know non-threatening again as possible and I shouldn't have to do that I should just be able to be myself but um as a black male unfortunately that's not my reality I have to kind of show them that hey you have nothing to worry about and even still you can do all the right things and still get shot or still get uh, be a statistic um, we've seen that happen many times where people do everything the, the right way and they still end up being a statistic with the police but I still feel like I have to do it just in case um, and that's a feeling that a lot of black men have in today's society. What it's like being black in Canada? Well, to sum it up in one word, it's exhausting. In my experience, it's having to remind people that yes, racism does in fact exist in Canada. Then of course you get that dreaded follow-up question, well how, why? And then you find yourself becoming a self-proclaimed professor and explaining what systemic racism is. And then you get into that whole spiel and you have a headache by the end of it. You know, it's certainly easier to answer this question by breaking it down into isolated moments. One that stands out for me and I'm sure for many others is that first face-to-face interaction for an in-person interview. You know, when you hear, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry uh i'm sorry i I wasn't i wasn't expecting you to look um uh, sorry i was just expecting someone different those moments are fantastic and incredibly awkward but funny really funny i just i like seeing them squirm because they're so caught off guard and i don't help i just sit there watching them because i really want to see will it come out of their mouth will it i wasn't expecting you to be black will they actually say it so that's that's definitely one moment for me another one is constantly being underestimated undermined and with that i have to constantly prove myself prove my worth and show people that my skin color does not define me so you know i can go on and on and on and on but yeah it's it's exhausting but Ultimately, I surround myself with positive people and thoughts 
and things are looking up. They are, but there's certainly a long way to go. Being a black male in Canada means being guilty until proven innocent. Being a black male in Canada means working twice as hard as the white man to get a skilled job. Often only being given the job until you are an absolute last resort to the company. As a result, often only being the only black person working for said company. Being a black man means being called a nigger while walking down the street by white people hoping to induce a fight by you. Being a black man in Canada is tough. In honor of Black History Month, we will be discussing some of the issues we face being black. I think there's this misconception that Canadians are perfect and that we don't have any form of racism. And that's turning a blind eye. Canada does indeed have systemic racism, as well as overt racism. Now, is it as loud as our neighbors south of the border? No, no, it's not. But it's still there. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about racism in Canada through the lens of a black individual, both male and female. This topic is meant to educate, as well as be a platform to voice black voices. It is raw and heavy, but it is a discussion that is needed. Change and growth is painful, but so necessary for us to evolve. I hope this episode gives you the knowledge and insight, as well as sparks conversation within yourself and others. This is A Shot of Melanin. So today's episode, we have a special guest here today. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. So special guest, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, everybody. Um, Andrew Jones, host of the Sports Jones podcast. How y'all doing? Thank you so much for coming on our uh, episode today. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about race in Canada. The purpose of this episode is I think for a lot of people and maybe a lot of listeners or even TV watchers, when we think of race, we think of the South. We think of South of our borders, right? So we think of the States. I don't think people are fully aware that there is race. My um, mindset when it comes to race is as long as you're a minority in a specific country, there will always be a form of racism. And I kind of want to bring that to the forefront, also to bring awareness in uh, to Canadians, to let them know, yes, there is forms of racism in our own country. And so today's episode is really just a discussion about race, racism in Canada. So this is why we are having this discussion. Now, I do want to start off with the question, and I'll let Andrew be the first one to answer this. Now, for you... What is it like being a black man in Canada? Honestly, I I will never experience the same level of nervousness or or well, I guess you could even say fear um, as our you know brethren in the United States. Like that's on a whole different level of 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 nonsense. But for us in Canada, like there's still a bit of like cloaking as far as your character is concerned or your personal your persona. 
Um, you have to act a certain way in front of, let's say, for example, colleagues or coworkers, which um, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be normal, but it seems like it is the norm. You know, um, as far as the way you speak to other people, um, you know, with your friends, it's totally different from how you speak to your friends that you would with like white coworkers. Um, dealing with police, yeah, you see police officers, you get a little bit nervous, I guess, you know, you don't want to be the one to be pulled over. And they have a certain type of way of th- seeing black people as is already, no matter where you are. It could be in the States or in Canada. Um, but even living in Quebec, especially living in, in, a, in a province that is French based, where already it's already a language issue um, between English speaking Canadians and French speaking Canadians. But they don't even take into account that if you're a minority that speaks English, it's like, you know, it's, it compounds the issue. So there is a bit of apprehension when it comes to dealing with people like in, in Canada, not nearly to the level of the States, like I said, but as far as, you know, the way you want to approach people or the way you deal with people or the way people may, you know, perceive you as, as a black person, um, those things don't change among white people. Um, they still have a bit of nervousness, some, not all obviously, but, uh, generally, yeah, um, it's a different vibe. But yeah. I have a lot of white friends to begin with. So um, my my vibe might not be as as different as opposed to others that don't may not have the same amount of white friends. But um, my best friends, um, one of my best friends is white and um, love him to death. I consider him family more than actual friend. And I've been blessed to grow up in an, in an area or community where it wasn't just white people. It was a pocket of different different cultures, different people. So it gave me a better understanding of other people and how they how they are um, and not seeing differences that may be negative. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those deals where um, you appreciate other cultures, you appreciate understanding other cultures as they appreciate you and your different differences as well. So it is a different vibe. But um, overall, I wouldn't say it's as negative as it is in the States. But for me, personally, as a black man, um, it could be better. But it's not nearly as bad as people would think compared to what it is in the States. But it's still sure. a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, Britt, you have anything to add to that? What yeah. is it like being black? Or, I mean, I know you mentioned that you're mixed, but maybe have you encountered any experiences or spoken to other people? Yeah. And, well, you uh, know, I agree with what Andrew said 100%, um, especially when he was talking about coworkers and having to speak a certain way when you're at work. Um, I definitely, even myself, I, I, even though I'm not visibly black, um, I am visibly different than my white uh, co-workers. And in the past, it's been, it's been a little bit strange. Like there was one place that I was working and they didn't know because I straightened my hair too. That obviously makes me look less black. It'll make me look more passing white. And in the past, my coworkers didn't know my ethnicity. They knew that I wasn't white, but they didn't know what I was exactly until there was another black girl that started working there and I became friends with her. And then someone asked me, oh, like, how come you guys are hanging out? And like, they literally just called me out being like, oh, well, are you black? Because why are you hanging out with a black girl? And I was like, yeah, I am. Uh, my mom's black. I'm mixed. And then after that, I was treated differently. And they were looking at me like, oh, well, look, now she's just hanging out with the black girl. So I guess she's black. So I guess she's not going to hang out with us. And it was there was this weird vibe. And I was like, really? 
just because now you know that I'm mixed, <laughs> now I'm I'm the different one now. Okay. And even if I wear if I don't straighten my hair, I've straightened my hair for such a long time that that's just like my go-to hairstyle. But there are times where I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like spending freaking two hours straightening my hair. I'm just gonna wear it natural today. And I've gone into work, oh. Why is your hair like that? I'm like, this is my natural hair. Mm. How? Oh. And then it's just a whole talk <laughs> about my hair and wanting to touch my hair. And I'm like, really, you guys? Because I'm not touching your hair when you get a haircut <laughs> or dye your hair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is weird at work. And you do feel like you do have to fix your hair in a certain way. And another one of my friends, she was saying that it's not easy because sometimes she just wants to wear her hair in a certain hairstyle, but she knows that she's going to be perceived as something that she's not, or it's going to fall into a stereotype. And she's like, so I feel like I have to be extra with my hair and like I maybe should straighten my hair so that white people could feel a bit more comfortable. And it's something that white people don't have to think about. They don't think about their hairstyle. They don't think about this stuff. Yep. It's like I just did my hair today and I'm going into work. It's not a, a, a topic of conversation. No. Mm -hmm. They would just wake up and brush their hair, maybe wash it, and then they're out the door. Yeah, let it whereas us, Yeah, whereas us, it's a whole ordeal, right? Yeah. Um, I definitely have to say being black is exhausting um, because you constantly have to explain to people certain things like why black lives matter. And why we have no faults in saying, yes, you're right, all lives matter, but all lives matter don't doesn't really matter until Black Lives Matter. And to constantly mm -hmm. have to explain that. Or we have to be that, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always have those, to those friends that always come to me asking for like a, a lesson in my Blackness. Yes. And I'm like, um, you do know you went to university, right? So you do know that when you don't know anything, you research about it, you read up about it, you know, like it's just constantly exhausted. And especially with what happened in 2020 in terms of, you know, the passing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of people come out and and I'm saying even here in Canada, so not just in the U.S., um, people really arguing the fact that all lives matter. And we really had to break it down <laughs> to, I remember the example somebody gave, if somebody's house is on fire, are you going to go, well, what about my house? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It's not about your house right now. This one house is on fire. So let's deal with that house first. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I I, just, I find it so. It, to me, it, it's just a lack of empathy for the idea that if you're gonna go up, go use the the slogan "All Lives Matter" without realizing that yes, we agree with you. That means us too. Like I think when we talked about it in our, um, I think we had to talk about this with B and I as far as if it would make people feel better if we said Black Lives Matter too. Yeah, yeah. And I was mm. just saying I don't think so because uh, you know certain people that use the all lives matter slogan would find another way to just, you know, shit on the idea that, Oh, well, all lives matter too. Yeah. But uh, what about dot, 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 dot. It, yeah. it just, there's always a, but when it comes to the upliftment of black people and white people, especially when they get super defensive about the fact that they're not, you know, they're, I don't know what it is, whether they feel like they're losing ground as far as, you know, control 
or mm. if it's just a matter of fear. I have no idea what it is. But the fact that when black people are just looking to be valued equally, not more, equally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it troubles certain people. And that's the part why I just don't understand. Like that, that part, it drives me nuts because at the end of the day, we're all looking for equal value in life. Yes. Yes. Period. We're, yes. We're looking for an equal playing ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't had that equal playing ground. You know, we it started off with slavery. Then it started, then it went off to Jim Crow. And mm-hmm. then with both of those, we get systemic racism. So we've never had an equal playing field. And you know, that even uh, goes for women too, right? Yeah, even, even, even so. feminism. People are like, oh, yep. feminist, feminist. Feminist just means you want equal rights for women as well. Everything yep. here's the thing. you want for women too. Here's the thing with feminists. Feminist is more of a white agenda. It's more it's so true. pushing a white women's agenda. Mm-hmm. So that's why you hear a lot of black women say, I'm not feminist, I'm womanist. Right. Yeah. So womanist is encompassing all women no matter right. what their race or even their sexual preferences. Right. And I get it. I totally get it. Um, feminist, it does stem from more of a white agenda. So I get what they're saying, but you're right though, Brittany. Uh, that's why a lot of people are saying feminist, but if they, if you are saying feminist, you need to kind of, you know, keep your eyebrows raised and just really see if they, if they're pushing that white feminist agenda or are they really including all women, no matter what their race, ethnicity, and their sexual preferences. Yeah, what, right? What's mind-boggling to me is the feminists that don't agree with like the black movement. Because yeah. at the end of the day, right? it's pretty much in the same realm. Like, right? like you're looking for a fair shake in life when it comes to business, you know, economics, uh, whatever. But so are we. So how do you not understand our plight as far as equal rights in society? Never mind just business. In society. Yeah. yeah. That's the I part why I, I find it so troubling when it comes to women that are quote unquote feminists, but then would find some reason to disagree with the Black Lives Matter movement, knowing that you know damn well this is not a fair shake in life. If you already know that there's not a fair shake in life for women, how do you not understand that for black people? But you know what? At the same time, I just thought of like trans rights and gay rights and all that LGBTQ plus. There's a lot of people that are for the Black Lives Matter movement that are not for gay rights and they don't understand. Like I feel like there's so much that people, they just can't see the other side. They can't seem to understand another group, even though you break it down. You guys are pretty much asking for the same thing, which is equality. Yeah, but they but can't. Those see are the it. people that don't want to see it. That's the thing where I see it. Like, it's not a matter of not seeing it. It's a matter of just turning a blind eye to wanting to see it and have an yeah. understanding of it because they don't agree with that perspective. They just don't. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, because yeah, they either it, have a problem with it or they are. It's it's kind of challenging their beliefs. Like I believe yeah. that. Oh, I think everybody has a little bit of racism in them towards a certain group, whether we want to admit it or not. And I feel like sometimes when we are highlighting Black Lives Matter movement, it challenges people's racist beliefs and they don't want yep. to go there. So they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. All lives matter. Okay. Blue lives matter too, whatever. But it's like, you don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation with yourself. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's more of a, a self it's coming more of out of a selfish place it feels very self-centered and egotistical when people say things like that because it, it the world doesn't revolve solely on you yeah. there's what 9.7 billion people on this earth and you mean to tell me the only race that matters is yours mm-hmm. it sounds a little self-centered yeah and it's coming from an ego driven place and you're right ignorance too 
You know, the saying ignorance is bliss. Some people really just don't know better until you educate them. Right. So I think that's kind of where it's also coming from. It depends on where you're raised. Like Andrew was saying, he was raised with a lot of different ethnicities. Some people weren't. So then you can't expect those people to understand off the bat because they've only been around their white friends or white family, white community, white school. Everything's just been white, 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 white. So then those are the people that need to be educated. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like there are there are people that are, you know, living in an all white society where if they end up crossing paths with a black person, it could just be bare innocence on their part for showing a bit of ignorance as far as let me cut your hair. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, you know, that kind of thing, people really need to be educated. And as long as you're willing and open to the idea of being educated on why these kind of things are a little bit more standoffish to black people, like. Let me touch your hair. What the fuck you want to touch my hair for? <laughs> like, it's hair. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just hair. Like yes, it's a different texture, different mm-hmm. color, but it's still hair. Like th- these are the kind of things where um you can't reason with a closed mind. So yeah. if as long as you're open to the idea of being educated and not be defensive and feel like you're being attacked when we try and correct you on something, then these are the, these are the more reasonable people that I can get down with. It's those that are so close-minded that they don't want to hear anything and they feel yeah. like the second that you challenge them on something that isn't, you know, politically correct and, and of human decency where they're like, well, I'm not racist. Well, I never said anything about being racist. Oh I said God. you're being ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's the go-to yeah. thing. I have black it friends. Is. Like, well, That's it. Relax. So, that's and it. Yeah. what's it, your it, point? It's troubling. It, it, that's the only thing to me. It's very troubling when you see people like that that are still living to this day you would expect that from like some 60 70 year old person yes now in the younger generations that are still coming up feeling this kind of you know self like oh my god like i'm not racist like you don't have to prove you don't have to tell me you're racist prove it to me yes actions speak louder than words that's it you know be an effective ally if you're not racist okay now put what your words to action you know Mm -hmm. show me that you are become an effective ally Mm -hmm. You know, educate yourself. Um, if you really believe in Black Lives Matter movement, protest. Show me. You know, uh, you could easily, it's easily to say something. It's a different situation when you're actually now doing it. Right. Exactly. Call out Uncle Stan during Christmas yeah. dinner when he yes. said something wrong. Amen educate him. Amen. Yep. Listen, it's not going to be easy. We're not sitting here and saying that it's going to be easy as an ally, but just now you have a sliver of an idea how it is for minorities who have to argue this day in and day out. It's mm-hmm. exhausting, yeah. right? And um, that's an, another thing where, like I had mentioned, you know, we're constantly fighting and um, just to be heard and just for people to get it. And, you know, and then we also have to deal with the imagery. You know, I understand with what happened in the States, it's not Canada, but we have our own cases. I think the difference between the States and Canada is Canada does a great job of pretending it doesn't happen, of sweeping it under the rug. Because realistically, I don't think anybody, unless you are on like maybe six buzz or maybe the shade room. I don't think people know that there's racism in Canada. So when it does appear on these media platforms, people are kind of in shock. Because, you know, the mindset is Canadians are so nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like it shocks them. Um, But even just seeing the imagery of people dying, like 
just imagine, I just want people to just imagine that you're black for a minute. And I'm talking to people who are not black, of course. You're black for a minute and you keep seeing people like you getting shot by the police day in, day out. Now ask yourself, how would that affect you as a person of color? And then you can understand why it's so exhausting. It is a trauma that we have to constantly see. And it's frustrating because it's a situation where if I kill somebody, obviously I'm going to be tried with every extent of the law. And I think this is where people don't understand why we're so upset. I do something, I go to jail, I get tried, and chances are I'm going to be convicted and I'm going to be spending X amount of years in jail. What's frustrating is these cops don't. Yep. It's almost like a a show. They put on a show to give the perception that these cops will be tried, but then they get off. Yeah. And that's exactly. And that's exhausting too. Because if we want to be fair, shouldn't everybody be tried, no matter who you are, even if you're a cop? Mm -hmm. You know, I heard this. Or so the cop, because of the fact that they're the ones that are supposed to uphold the law and, 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 and lead by example. Exactly. And that's the part where I, I agree with you 1000%. There was this nice story that a nurse had posted. I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but she was talking about, I think it was a nurse. If not, it was a doctor. And she was talking about if I do something wrong, I lose my license as a doctor and I get tried and I could even go to jail. Right? We've seen it. Um, what's his name? Um, the doctor who prescribed the medication to Michael Jackson that killed him. You yeah. saw he lost his license yeah. and yeah. he served jail time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what happens to doctors. So why are cops exempt from that? Yeah. Is what we're trying to say. And this is where it becomes exhausting because you keep seeing people like you and I have kids now as this Brit, you know, and my concern, especially now that I have a son. Yeah. My concern is, you know, he's going to grow up, you know, he's going to be a bubbling 19 year old going to parties. My concern is when he gets his license, when he starts driving, now I have to hold my breath and pray that he comes home at night because the last thing I want, I don't wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy is that he has a run in with the cop. Um, and I just want people to know that there is, you know, some sort of racism, some sort of bias when it comes to police. And it doesn't even matter who you are. I don't know if you heard a couple years ago, Marcy Ian, um, who is a, who was, she's no longer on the social, but she was a person, a TV personality, black, very successful. Um, she's now, I believe she ran for MP for the liberals to represent the city of Toronto. So she's no longer a personality, but a politician now. And she was on her way home. She parked her car in the driveway. She did notice that a cop was following her. She parked her car in the driveway, pulled into her driveway, got out of the car and guns were drawn on her. What? Imagine, imagine your TV personality, TV. And it's not like the socials are very like popular. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> TV show among women like you know the social if you don't know the social then I'm, I would be kind of surprised but it's almost like remnants of like it's the equivalency of the real yeah the US version right. of the real yeah 
Like, how do you not know her? And so she talked about it. She wrote an article about it. And it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter who you are. And and we've heard about it even in the states, you know, very famous, prominent people, black, who have been stopped by cops and who have had bad treatment. So status doesn't even do anything for you. I mean, I I, I can tell you firsthand, like I'm me being a sports nut and all. Um, and if you're a Raptors fan, to uh, Masai Ujiri, who's the general manager of the Golden State, uh, sorry, yes. the Toronto Raptors. Yes. Um, after they won the championship in Golden State. Um, Masai Ujiri, who basically had a press pass in his hand or at least in his pocket, reaching for it to pull it out just to show the, the security guards that, hey, I'm such and such. Like, generally, when you know you're a, a, a person in the media, uh, and you're at a sporting event, you usually have a press pass on you where you know you could just walk right on through, they won't even bother you. But in this case, you know, Masai Ujiri ran into a guy who just, I guess, he wanted to play a tough guy that night, and basically shoved Ujiri twice. Yep. Even with the press pass in his hand. Like, dude was like, what are you doing, man? Like, hey, I'm I'm the general manager for the team that just won a championship. Yep. I mean, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, um, the people the thing is like people are always gonna see you a certain way when you're black. Mm-hmm. Like Kanye West man, when he had that he had this track where he basically one of the lines was, um, doesn't matter what it doesn't matter, you know, what you look like as long as you're black. They see you as a as a nigga in a coop. That's it. Like they they don't really care. You yeah. Know, like, it, it's it's a shame. It, it really is a shame that even people in prominent positions that are black uh-huh. will still be seen as something less than that less than their white counterparts. And and you constantly have to fight for it. Yep. Right. Constantly yep. have to explain and, and I mean, just imagine you having to do this day in and day out. Yeah. I don't yep. see how they don't get that, though. Like, it's not like, oh, we didn't know. So many people talk about being racially profiled. So mm-hmm. many people talk about how being black, you don't see the police as the savior. Like, oh, we'll call the police. They're going to help you. I was watching this show. Um, I think it's called You Can't Pay, We Take Away or something out of the UK. And it was mm-hmm. a guy, they were, they were coming in to like ask for the money back or take away stuff. And he was fighting with the people that were sent from the high court. And he called the police. And because he he wanted the police to back him up. And I was so uncomfortable watching the rest of the episode because I was like, oh, he's black. Why would he call the police? That's yeah. like that's inviting <laughs> problems into your house. Why would you do that? You're not white. And I was it's so true. confused that a black man would call the police to help him in a matter where he's yelling at the people. I'm like, what? But white yeah. people, they don't they don't get that. They're like, oh, I'll call the cops. I'll call the cops. And they don't have to worry that the cops are going to come in and flip it. And all of a sudden, they're in handcuffs. And yeah. In the park. Right. Yeah. Or being beat down or something, you know? Yeah. And so white people I, understand that too. White people understand that power as far as, you know, if they're having any uncomfortable altercation with a minority or black person, especially, their first, their go to move is I'll call the cops, knowing right. full well what the consequences could be. And yeah. Means. And we saw that um, in the summer of 2020. Do you remember when that lady was in, in park. Central Park? Yeah. Yep. yep. She, she was in Central Park and she knew what her privilege as a white female has. Mm-hmm. You know, and we could go back to the days of Emma Till where that same story oh, happened yeah. to him. Yep. So, yep. um, th- and I think people need to understand, I think that's where people are having a hard time dealing with there is prim- privilege in their whiteness. Mm-hmm. I think people are having a hard time with accepting that. 
because they take it, it as people that say that there is white privilege as we, you only got to where you are because you are white. But that's not the case. You got exactly. to where you are partially because you're white. You were given the opportunity. You were given an advantage because you're white. As a white passing mixed person, I went up for a job against my black friend. Who do you think got the job? It was me. Yeah, it was we you. were equally qualified. And I knew when I got the job, I was like, shit, it's probably because I look white. Yeah. It's because of the color. So what we're saying when it comes to white privilege is that you don't live a lavish life because you're white, but it's the color of your skin that doesn't stop you from getting the things that you need or attaining the level of su success that you can attain. Or getting right? a pass from certain people that wear blue suits. Exactly. Yeah. Or uniforms, I should say. Yeah. Nothing is stopping you because your color of your skin is different than my own as a black female. And when you're right. speaking intelligently, nobody's saying, oh, you're so well-spoken because okay. there's no idea that it's you true. weren't well-spoken in the in the first place. They just mm -hmm. assume, oh, yeah, okay, she's a smart <laughs> woman. I hate when people say, oh, you're so well-spoken. Oh, that's such a piss-off. Can, can I say yeah. something about that well-spoken thing? Because yeah. it's just funny that you say that because during an interview, um, somebody actually said that, like, oh, man, you, you're really well-spoken. And I'm like, oh, well-spoken for who? <laughs> and she had no answer. You know, like she, mm. she, she was kind of froze because to me, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what? Because you see me as a black person that mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be intelligent. But here's the thing: the media plays a really bad to set a, per a perception of what black people are supposed to sound like. We're supposed to sound like we're uneducated. We're supposed to listen. I've heard it too before from white people. Oh, you sound very white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. the you're not really black. Mm -hmm. Which is is a shame to think that intelligence has to be. You know, related a to a, a, a voice or related to a color. Mm -hmm. Like I yes. sound white because I I enunciate because I have good grammar. Like, come on, man! Like you're better. And, and this is expected of everybody, but because the media puts in this perception of, I mean, if you for the most part, if you see um shows or TV shows rather, um, what is the perception of black people? They're they don't know how to speak proper sentences. Right. Um, they have a twang or an accent, like it's not clear and it's kind of perceived as maybe ghetto or uneducated because of the way they speak. So if, um, a white person watches these shows, this is the mindset that they have, that this is how black people talk. This is how they act. And that's how I should perceive them, which is false. Right. Yeah. But not all shows are like that. That's like me expecting that white people are going to speak like the trailer park boys. Right, but True. these are shows. Show. But these are shows written by white people who have the perception of this yeah. is what blackness is. You know what? Too hip hop has a lot to do with that. Um, I find as far as people's perspective, white, especially white people's perspective on what blackness or black people are about. I mean, because the only thing that they can relate to as far as anything that is non-white is hip hop, where they see a bunch of people on TV with gold chains or. Or a bunch of chains or a bunch of earrings, a bunch of money flashed around and the way they speak in their lyrics, not realizing that, you know what, like people that look like me can be intelligent. It's yes. not, it's not, it's not um, a foreign thing for us where even the people that you listen to, like listen to Nas, Nas is, is a super intelligent human being. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Who, who just happens as, you know, he happens to be a rapper. That's what I was um, going to say. You can be intelligent and still be a rapper. It's just yeah. part of the, that's the hip hop culture. That's just the culture. Like, just yeah. like country, country yep. music. 
that's that culture. They speak with a twang and they whatever they have their thing, but that doesn't represent all white people. That's, that's that exactly culture. It. Yeah. Exactly. So I I personally, when it comes to the question of um <laughs> what's it like being black in Canada, I definitely agree with uh a lot of people's sentiments. It's exhausting, it's constantly having to explain yourself. Um, why are you touching my hair? I'm not a petting zoo. Um, I think those are definitely the things that a lot of us can agree with yeah. in terms of what's it like being black in Canada. So I'm just going to kind of go from Canada. And Wait, just one, sec, kind one of- sec, one sec, I have a follow-up question. I want to ask oh, you guys. Okay. I'm very curious about, okay? So because I mix, I get the what are you question. I've got that my whole life, right? What mm-hmm. are you? I'm like, I mix. What mix? Black and white. They don't care about the white now. Now they're interested in the black. Oh, mm-hmm. well, who's black? My mom. Where is she from? The States. No, but where is she really from? The um, States. Yeah. Right? Because they're expecting <laughs> me to say like Jamaica or Trinidad or whatever. Uh, because yeah. in Canada, I find if you're if you're black and you're not, my mom says this too. Uh, she gets this question, where are you from? Because she doesn't sound Canadian because she's from the States. Right. And then she'll say, I'm from Pittsburgh. And they're like, no, but where are you really from? They want to know, like, how come you're not, like, are you from the islands? They'll ask, are you from the islands? Like, your family from the islands? She says that Canadians, since she is American and she's had, you know, she deals with people questioning her in the States and Canada. She said Canadians mm-hmm. are more obsessed with what island are you from? They assume if you're black, you're from an island somewhere. You're yeah. from Jamaica, whatever. So do, have you guys have gotten questioned about where you're from? And then when you tell them, they're like, Okay, yeah, cool. Andrew, I'll um, let you go first. <laughs> um, I've, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. Like, especially because I have a sister in the States. So it seems like whenever I get on a rant with my sister in the States, I have like this Americanized like deal where I talk like I'm from there. Mm-hmm. It's one of those stupid ass things. I can't explain it. It just is what it is. So when mm-hmm. I talk to her and people hear me talking to her, like, where are you from? I'm, I'm born in Canada. Mm-hmm. Look, but where are you from? You sound like you're American. Oh, well, you know, I just talk to my sister. This is how it is. Mm-hmm. But as far as you know, the better question that I told, I say, if you want to find out where I am from, I am born here, but my parents are born in Barbados. Right. Like, don't ask me where yes. I'm from. Yeah, that's you know, the correct way of going about what's it. What's my background? Exactly. Like, it's, that's the way you go about it. But like, once again, it's it's the ignorance, and not to say not to say that in a derogatory term towards white people but like a lot of people are just innocently ignorant when it comes to the idea of how they can ask the right question as far as a black person's background he doesn't have to be an immigrant to you know if he's black you know he could be born here like me and I'm you know born. what's very insensitive some people don't even know where they're from so when you're asking an American, no, but really, where are you from? Yeah, yeah. They, don't know. <laughs> they don't know where they're from. So that's being very insensitive. That's why I always say, I always answer that question. Oh, oh where is she from? The, where is she from the States? No, but where is she really from? I'm like, oh, you want to go back to slavery? Okay, well, I'm assuming Africa somewhere. But then white people got on a boat and took black people <laughs> to the States. Yeah. And that's how my mom happened. And, and then they always are like, rich. oh, shit. Why did I say that? Yeah. yeah and, and my problem is, it's like they 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 want to, I guess, take on the role. Because here, here's what I mean. Someone will ask me, so, Michelle, where are you from? And I'm like, well, I'm Canadian. No, no, no. But I, I want to know, like, where are you from? Like, mm-hmm. so before Canada, where were you before? And I'll say Jamaican. Here's what upsets me. This is what they say. Yaman! Oh, my God. I know. Yaman! Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So That's stupid. like me asking Italian. I go a pasta. You want a pasta? Pasta the bone. Pasta the bone. How would you feel if I started imitating your accent? And it's like it's humorous and comical and fun for. And the worst part is because I'm Jamaica. Oh, oh, do you smoke the ganja? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I know. It's, now it's, we're it's... taking in the stereotypes or the perception of what Jamaicans are like. Um. So this is what I don't like. You could just ask me, hey, where are your parents are from? If yeah. I tell you I'm born in Canada, okay, cool. Where are your parents from? And if I say Jamaica, okay, cool. Leave it at that. Leave yeah. it at don't, that, yeah. Don't start at, yeah, man, smoke the ganja, Irie. Why? Mom, Why all of this? Come on, man. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not the only one. I know I've heard stories of African actors and actresses when they say that they're from Nigeria, okay. they start busting out in like, you know, the clicking sound, which is so wrong. Yeah, the clicking sound sure. is in South Africa. So they got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they go completely wrong. And, oh, are you poor there because of the perception again, TV puts out of Africans that have like, you know, those African infomercials of, yeah. mm-hmm. if you only send $7 a day, this African boy can have those. Yeah. This is yeah. why the media is so damaging mm-hmm. to us because it doesn't, it doesn't reflect us properly. So that's my only issue that I have to pick with people when they want to ask, just ask and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no need to go into the, Ugh, yeah, man. Oh, you. I bet you smoke weed, don't you? Funny enough, too. Like you know what? I, like I never thought of doing this because I, I, I'm not the one that was that likes to make people feel like you know extra uncomfortable. But I can just flip the role and just say, "Hey, where are you from?" Mm-hmm. And to say, "Well, I'm born here." No, no, but where are you really from? Exactly. You know, like he could do the same shit. I mean, oh, my parents are Canadian. Well, well, no. What about your parents? Where are they from? Because <laughs> we all know that you're not originally from here. You know, I right. Mean, in the grand scheme of things, like I mean, there's somewhere. Oh, well, oh yeah, my parents are born in Ireland. Oh really? No, I'm like, just, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you drink a lot? <laughs> you must drink a lot. Oh, you must love that Irish whiskey. Or so I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just, I don't know. Like it just to me, like you could just flip the role and then they realize, like, oh well, you sound weird. I'm like, yeah, well, that's how you sound to you us. Thank <laughs> you. Boom. Thank you. (laughs) It's just, it's so frustrating and it's so unnecessary. And like I said, it's insensitive because you know that a lot of black people don't have, they don't know their heritage. So a lot of Americans and maybe I guess some Canadians too, if they've been here long, uh, long enough, they don't know. And shoot, they don't have like journals where they can go back and look Mm -hmm. at their ancestry, like how some of, some white people can they can trace back their lineage to Uxbridge England (laughs) you know like they can we hit a wall we don't know and all we can do is guess and speculate as to where I'm originally from I know that my parents are from Jamaica I know that their parents are from Jamaica but when we're going back to slavery days we can only speculate that you know I could be from um I think they said Togo and uh, Ghana descent, but that's a speculation. We don't have actual proof, you know? So I think when people are asking this, they need to be mindful and be a little bit more sensitive. Not everybody knows where they're from. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it bothers them that they don't know. Mm -hmm. They would love to know, but they can't, you know, just kind of put yourself in your shoes. Imagine in their shoes. Imagine that this is you 
and you have no way of finding out. Yeah, no ancestry.com for you. No. Right. Right. And there isn't. You know, I even tried putting in my mom's last name, and we only got one piece of document from Jamaica, wow. and that was it. There was nothing else. Yeah. You know, so just be a little bit more sensitive to people. Don't go with the, don't, <laughs> if somebody tells you where they're from, don't take on that persona or assume certain stereotypes is them. Cause let me, I don't smoke ganja. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, and, and even if I did, everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Yep. So why are you specifically mm-hmm. putting Jamaicans in that category? Don't sit here and act like Canadians don't smoke ganja. Mm-hmm. Listen, I see a lot of white people smoking weed. Okay. Right? I see a lot of people done lineups, you know, the uh, the dispensaries. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boy, do I, see them. I see a lot of people, those dispensaries, and not all of them are looking like me. Let's just put it that way. There you go. But yet you're putting my parents' culture into that category, you know? So I think, um, <laughs> as you can see, I'm fully exhausted <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> when I have to <laughs> explain myself, no, you it, know? It, it is exhausting. Like, real talk, at the end of the day, like... It's all about perspective and and think about how ignorant you may sound when you ask somebody where they're really from. When if I just said the same thing to you and you think, oh, that sounds silly. Well, yeah, that's exactly the problem is that, you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? Like, why do you care so much? Why are you so infatuated with the with knowing, Okay, what's my background? What does that do for you that you know where I'm from? At the end of the day, like you might just forget anyway after you just have this two second spurt of conversation just to make, you know, small talk. You might just forget in the next day, you know, or not, or you don't really give a shit. Right. It's just, to me, it's stop being ignorant. Realize that, you know, there's a certain time and place where you have to have a better understanding of respecting somebody's boundaries and, and and respecting them, not just for, you know, a certain color, just respect them as a human being. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, I agree. Now, Andrew, I want to ask, what is your earliest recollection of dealing with racism? Like, did you have any stories where you've dealt with it personally? And could you <laughs> go right ahead? <laughs> um, we actually, I've had a conversation with B about this on uh, my pod, um, where in grade three, a student called me the N-word. And I actually didn't know at the time what it meant. Um, and it, I think about it now and I'm like, how the fuck does a, 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 you know, seven or eight year old understand what that word actually is? And it's taught from home. But the fact that I didn't even know about it and this this white kid did, it, it just speaks volumes of how crazy, you know, w- kids are actually brought up in a certain household of hatred. They're like, but I was in grade three when somebody called me the N word. I had no idea what it meant. You know, and, and for me, it it even hurt me because of the fact that I didn't know what it meant. Exactly. Until I had a conversation with one of the principals of the school or one of the, you know, one of the authoritarians of the school where we sat down in opposite chairs and this dude was just basically scolding this kid about using that word and about how I should, you know, you should disrespect, you shouldn't be disrespecting somebody because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even, at that point, I only had the conversation with my parents about it after the fact. And my dad was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, wh- wh- when did this happen? Oh, this happened yesterday. He's like, well, why didn't you tell me anything? I'm like, well, I didn't know what it meant. He's like, oh. Yeah. 
In order I think to- our parents also were trying to, you know, a lot of our parents come here for a better life. And right. in some regards, I also believe that some of our parents sheltered us yep. from these sort of conversations or ex- so I, I'm, I'm one that lived definitely a sheltered life. I didn't know more about race until I was in my pre-teens, teens. Mm-hmm. That's when I became more aware of it, but I never had to deal with it as young as you did, Andrew. Yeah. And so how did you react or was it explained to you after from your parents and Almost how nothing. did you feel? Yeah. I mean, at that point it was, I, I caught, I didn't feel bad about it. Like if I was to say maybe a little bit older and had, you know, had more understanding of that word as, you know, like maybe let's say for example, a teenager as opposed to like a seven or eight year old, um, I probably would have been more hurt by it. But to me it was like, Oh, okay. Now I understand what it really means. But I mean, at that point, what's done is done. You know, and I, I'm not going to be at an eight-year-old. As an eight-year-old, I'm not going to be able to change this kid's mind or perspective on what he views as a black person. You know, like it's just yeah. it's not going to change. If he if he can call me the n-word at, at eight, chances are he'll probably be doing that shit at like 38. You know, right. like, you know, like I mean, who knows? Like I, I I'm not one to give white people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to changing and, and understanding or having a better understanding all the time, but. I didn't feel any type of way at that point because I was too young to really grasp how grave of a of a word that really is. Mm. Britt, do you have any stories? Yeah, I have a personal story, but I also share this um, story on Andrew's podcast. Um, my boyfriend had a similar story to AJ where he was in grade two and a kid said he called him the N-word. And my boyfriend didn't know what it meant. And he just called the kid back because he was like, um, I figure it's a bad word if you're saying it in this kind of context. <laughs> and my boyfriend got in trouble for saying it back to the little white kid. What? That so doesn't make any sense. That's that's the world we live in, y'all. This is Canada. <sighs> yep. We're not exactly super nice Canadians over here. And nope. for me, my experience was in kindergarten. There was a little girl, we're oh, all sitting wow. around the table talking about what lipstick we're going to wear when we get older. And everybody went around and it was my turn. I said I was going to wear pink lipstick. And the popular, a quote unquote popular, okay, we're in kindergarten, okay, how popular could she be? But she said, <laughs> you can't wear pink lipstick, you're black. And everybody Oof. started laughing. And I remember I went to the bathroom and I cried. And that was my first wow. time where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm different. I'm different from you guys. I'm labeled different. Like black is a bad thing just because Mm. I'm happy. Like it it did. I was just like, really? And that's in kindergarten. How did you, how do you think that affects somebody for the rest of their life? If that lesson is taught in kindergarten, I was what? Five. Wow. 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 And how did that, how do you think that may have affected you growing up? Did you think that I, that I affected really you? felt different for the remaining, like my, my elementary school experience was not pleasant because I went to predominantly white elementary school. Um, people were confused as to why I was different. And also because I'm mixed, my mom came in who like was visibly black. And then I'm like light skin, but I got this really frizzy hair. And they're like, what, like... It, I was just so aware that I was different, that nobody looked like me, and that I was labeled as something negative because I was different. Not like, oh, okay, right. you're black, cool. It was like, oh, you're black. You have limitations on your life. You can't do X, Y, Z because you're black. And that affected me. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, Montreal is predominantly white, 
right? Yeah. Yes, you have pockets of blacks. Like if you go to um, NDG, yeah. you have pockets of blacks. But once you move outside of those areas, it's predominantly white areas that you're Especially going in the into. Suburbs, where I was in the West. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So now you're dealing with, you know, being black amongst all these white people. I will definitely say that growing up, um, I don't like, I can't say like maybe four or five years old because I don't have recollection there, but like, we're talking about maybe grade three. I do remember though, when I told people, first of all, like I'm visibly black. There wasn't a lot of black people in my grade either. I could literally count it on my hand. There was maybe three to five of us. Mm. Okay. Um, but the difference with me was that when I told them, you know, the question of what are you? Mm. And I'm like, Canadian. No, no, no. But what are you? And I'm like, well, my parents are Jamaican. I don't know. I just can't somehow became the it girl. For sure. I became the <laughs> it girl. Like, oh my God, Wagwan. And then they would make me say it. Oh Another time I wasn't like I just it was like wow. when you sit back and you look back at it, it makes you feel like you were a puppet. Yeah. That yeah. you're putting on a show. Yeah. Right. To to entertain them. And at, at the time I thought I was cool because I made friends. Um, but now looking back, you're like, oh girl, mm-mm. They embarrassing the heck out of you. Um, But that was my experience in elementary school. I think my first bad experience with it was I was hanging out with my friend and we were coming from gym class and this guy was just being a dick to me, like a complete dick. And it, it so happened to be his friend too. And he called me the N word as well. And my boy, my, my boy was like, what? And he like literally went in to like check him and punched him and everything. He's like, "What would you say that?" Uh, and he, he's black too. Like, what are you doing right now? And this wow. is one of his white boys. Right. He was really pissed, and uh, let's just say that friendship ended. Um, but at, at that point, it was a situation where I was, you know, when you're in the situation, you just kind of like, you never thought it would be you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so sure. when it happens to you, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? It's almost like an out-of-body experience that you just had. And then I just didn't know how to deal with the emotions. or And I knew what the N-word was. I don't think I learned it from my friends. I think I just maybe, I mean, from my family, I think I just learned it on my own. I knew maybe, mm-hmm. maybe through Black history or whatever. But at the, it, it's just a situation that I never thought that would be me. And I kind of was like, you know, like looking back at it now, like, yo, if, if anybody ever calls me that again, I would I would do this or I would do that. And you had that opportunity at the time and you kind of froze because you never thought it would be you. So that was right. my um, my two experience. One was quote unquote good, but it really wasn't. And then the second one was really the person calling me an, the N-word. And um, that just kind of makes me go into the next question. You know how there's always that one person that says, well, if black people could say it. I want to say it. Too. Oh, my goodness. Do I have some stories for you? <laughs> go, go right ooh, ahead. Go ooh. on. Uh, the idea that you think that because we say it amongst each other, that you feel like it is your right that you should be included is so asinine to me simply because if I were to say, you know, I think it's going to be a good a good idea for me to jump off the bridge one day, you wouldn't follow that suit. 
You wouldn't. <laughs> like, you just won't. Yeah. Because you realize it's, it's just a dumb thing. It's a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. like, in this case, because you want to say a negative to me, it, you feel like what? Like, you, you're getting your black card? No, nah, man, it doesn't work like that. No. And people, people as recently as people that I've worked with were like, oh, well, you maybe one day you could let me call you that. No, maybe one day I won't because it's just never going to happen. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And I, you always hear those stories of, well, I have one black friend that lets me say it. Well, okay, that black friend lets <sighs> you say it, fine, but don't bring that shit. He doesn't me. speak for all black people. Exactly. Just because he's your one black friend that's allowed you to say in the word doesn't mean that you could say it to Daryl or Jermaine or, or Jared. Right. We, some people will not tolerate that. And if you try, you might get a fist in your face. Yeah. And if you don't understand that, then that's on you. And that maybe yeah. that's also on your black friend to explain that didn't explain to you properly. That's not something that you could just go ahead and think of saying because one of your black friends says it's okay. The yeah. fact that you even go out of the excuse, um, the excuse tirade of, well, my other black friend lets me do it. If your other black friend said to go rob a fucking bank, would you do it? Probably not. <laughs> Touche. I mean, it just, it, to me, it's so silly because the only time you want to listen to black people for that matter is when it's, when it's, oh, well, my black friend lets me say this. Well, I mean, is your black, you know, black friend your parent? I mean, mm. like, you know, you only listen to things when it's beneficial to you or then you feel exactly. it's okay. Exactly. On, like, let, Once it benefits you. Yeah. yeah. So I personally think that they should not say it. And I'm I'm not talking on, like, like I said, there's always that one black person like, I don't want it. He says it to me. But I'm the person, if you're friends with me, you're not going to say it. We are not doing this. Right. Period. Um, I don't. I don't know if people n- understand um, the reason why it is said amongst um, black people. Um, it is a way of taking something that was used to demean us, mm-hmm. to unpower us, and we taking that and reclaiming our power. Right. Right. So this is why it is said amongst, you know, in rap culture, it, amongst boys. Now, when you say it, the, it's originally the word came from a white person and it came to degrade, to humiliate, to hurt. To demonize. So, exactly. So yeah. if you're going to use it, you know that you're doing it as a weapon. Right. Not as a form, as a endearment. You know, and when black people are doing it, it's reclaiming back that power. And mm-hmm. this is why people say, do not argue with me. I don't want to get any DMs about it. This is what it is, period. You know, um, I don't think that you should say it. I think you should respect, even if your black friend allows you, I think it should be a sign of respect that you really value and cherish your black friends or your black relationships, that you will not say it because you know where it originated from, you know, and it's a way of moving forward. You accepted that that was... And I know a lot of people are like, well, my parents never owned slaves. I'm like, well, I, that's questionable. But it's not um, about you. That's the thing that people really need to understand. It's not about you. It's about the history. It's about the 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 attempt to detach, you know, what was then to now. What was then was okay. What is what was then as of now is totally not okay. Exactly. So just because your your grandparents didn't own slaves doesn't mean I should trust the fact that you might not still be a racist piece of shit. I don't know that I can't tell that like you have to prove it to me with actions as opposed to just well 
my parents aren't racist. My parents didn't raise me to be racist. Well, prove it to me. Yeah. That's all. Actions. At the end of the day, actions speak louder than words. You could talk all day. Yep. But I need to see it. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Britt, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Like, let's just say, yeah, I wanted to disclaimer for people who may not know that not all black people say the N-word, by the way. That that is a topic of debate within the black community in and of itself. There are some mm-hmm. black people that believe that that you shouldn't say the word. And there's other, others that think right. that you, like you said, Michelle, can claim it back. So it doesn't just mean because you're black, you will say or have yeah. said and or should and yeah conversationally and i'm guilty of that yeah, i or see should. it a lot. exactly there's that de- that's the debate right and it's like yeah i i can't tell you i've had this conversation actually at home with my boyfriend where we've gone into it and gone into debate over it and it's like i can't tell you what word you want to use if you want to take the word back and use it and empower that word in a different way, go ahead. If you feel like it's disrespectful to use that word, even when you're black, don't use it then. Like, do whatever, do you. You yeah, know, if do you're what black, makes, do you. Yeah. Do what and makes you right. feel good. I'm going to be honest with you. The the N-word was never in my vocabulary until I met my partner. (laughs) 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 Never in my vocabulary until I met my partner. Um, I never said it. Um, And he's also, he does rap. Like, he's a rapper. So he Mm -hmm. uses it a lot. Right. And it was never in my vocabulary until I met him. I was very much, I remember we had um, arguments about it because I said it shouldn't be said, period. And right. I get, I totally get the argument. Yes, reclaim it. Because if you think about it, we as women, okay, I should say we as women, most women use bitch a as lot. a way of, as, <laughs> like, bitch, where are you going? Like, you know, like, and if you don't mean it in a sense of, I, I'm shitting on you. I hate you. Like you're an actual female dog. It's yeah. just a way of reclaiming what was used against women and calling us a bitch. Mm-hmm. We took back our power and now we're calling our friends. Bitch, where you going with that? You know, right. like, it, and so I get, I do get the argument, but I'm like, if we want to nip this, my mindset is if we want to nip this whole, I want to say it, then let's just cancel the name altogether, altogether. So that way. Opinion, yeah. That's my mindset. If yeah. if you don't want to hear this argument from white people saying that they should be able to say it, cancel the word altogether. And that rappers, way you can't have the argument. And rappers, like you're saying, you didn't start using it until you met your partner and your partner's a rapper and he uses it. Well, why is it? That's I don't have the answer to this question. I always wonder, why is it so commonly used within rap? Why is it like, oh, if you're a rapper or if you're a comedian, a lot of black comedians, they say the N-word. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why did those two things go hand in hand? And then there's it gives white people the argument of, well, it's in the song. And they created the song for on, not only black people to listen to. So yeah. I can use that word when I'm singing that song. But it's like, no. But then I look at those people and I'm like, but why did you put that word in that song? <laughs> yeah. You know they're going to be singing it at home. I forgot well, yeah. you tried it with me. I was like, nope. Sorry. <laughs> you can do that at home by yourself and nobody listening. But, but when you're me, yep. you don't do that. But it, it's, all, it's all going back to, once again, playing stupid. Because at the end of the day, like, I've, and I, look, here's another story I had. Like, this is in college when I, when I went to Dawson, where one white girl was like, why can't white people call, you know, black people the N-word knowing what that N-word is? Like, look, let's put it this way. If you called your mom a cunt and I hate using that word, would you let me use Would you let me say that to your mom? No. There you have it. Because it's just not the way you want to go about it. You, you, you yeah. don't want to use that word just for the sake of using that word. 
It's an awful word. Now, yes, I am guilty of saying it, but to my friends, the people that I grew up with, the brotherhood, the brotherhood that I have with my friends, we are just that tight. We are a close knit group. We would never say that to our parents. Our parents would probably smack us behind our No, crazy. The second I even try using that with like, if I even try calling my mom, like, bitch, are you crazy? Like, no, no, no. That's, that's, that, that's, that's a rap. That's a rap right there. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to get the word out of, out of that, out of that one. It's, it's not happening. Like, it's just, yeah. to me, the idea that you think it's, it's one of those, you know, it's one of your rights to use that word because your friend says it's okay is the same stupid reason why I figure Tell, what if your friend told you to jump off the bridge? Well, I wouldn't yeah. do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just don't pick and choose when you want to listen to your black friends. <laughs> yes. You know, because you're not going to sit down. And if your black friends are talking about police brutality and you don't want to hear it, but now we're talking about using the N word and you want to hear yeah. that, you're being selective. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's selective ignorance. That's exactly what it is. Because they damn well know, like, you know what, like, okay, my black friend, or maybe you're one black friend. I don't even know how many black friends you actually have. But if your one black friend says that, you know, he could call him the N-word, fine. But he should have that wherewithal to say, listen, this is between <laughs> you and me. You're not, yeah. You, you my nigga, Disclaimer. okay? Yeah. You're not Disclaimer. everybody's nigga. Like, let's just get that yeah, out of the way. Yeah, you know? yeah. So Disclaimer. That, yeah. That, 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 um, that should be taught. Now, I do want to ask you guys, um, what labels in terms of racial stereotyping are you tired of dealing with or hearing of? Um, somebody want to take this first or you want me to hit this one? Go ahead. Guess first. Um, that we all smoke weed (laughs) or (laughs) that we, you know, like to drink a lot, um, I mean, and not everybody's from Jamaica. Like they think all black people are from thing. Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 we're like a like anything island related. They assume Jamaica is like the, yeah. the hot spot for all black people where we come from. When that's totally not the case. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are from Barbados, and I'll tell you this right now. Like they still like to smoke some weed in Barbados, but I mean, doesn't mean that everybody does. Yeah, you know, so maybe and, like five percent of people who do smoke it. Yeah. you know, it's not a large percentage. Yeah. Uh, I'm I I was coming home from school from Dawson one night, headed home on the bus, and I was just reading my book all by myself. And there's like, you know, those new the recent buses where you have like that quad seating situation on the right side of the Montreal buses, where it's like a two seater on one side and there's a two seater on the other side. Yes. And I was sitting on that seat reading a book, and some white kid just knocked on the window. He's like, "Hey, do you do you have any weed?" And I'm looking oh, outside wow. the window, like, "Nah, bro, I, I actually don't smoke weed. Sorry." So go oh, okay. And then I hear like somebody's you know talking to me from across and say, "Well, I'm too too bad you didn't ask me because I have like three dimes in my purse." And I'm like, "Look at it. <laughs> what?" <laughs> and it was this woman. I shit you not. She was like at least fifty five, sixty years old, somewhere in that. Wow. Way. Yeah. So it goes to show you like the you, the automatic notion. Oh, I see a black dude. I gotta ask him if he has weed. It's just come on, man. Like we're better than this now. Like at least we're supposed to be. My yes. mind you, this is twenty years ago. You know, right. but still, like, I, it, it's crazy to see that the the automatic assumption that you see a black dude, he must be a weed, a, a, a druggie. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. Knowing damn well that, you know what, you're the one smoking weed. Why don't you ask one of your white counterparts? 
<laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's hell a lot yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Britt, what about you? Any kind of thinking of so many, but <laughs> go, go, friends. I had, <laughs> I had a lot of Italian friends growing oh up. And okay, we we can have a whole episode on that. Okay, of racism from Italians. Okay, people mm. that have like not wanted their daughter to date a black man, but they were okay with me coming to their house and being friends with them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, um, so I can come to your house, but my brother couldn't. Like, it, anyways, but um, I would <laughs> they'd have um watermelon. At the end of the meal. I remember the first time that happened, like we had a meal. I went over to the house. We had the meal and then they gave watermelon. And I was like, hmm. And they're like, oh, Brittany, do you want some? And I was like, uh, no, because I'm always kind of like, is that, are you stereotyping right now? Like, are you giving me watermelon because you think I like watermelon? Or do you like watermelon? <laughs> and then I noticed oh, every wow. time I go to an Italian person's house, they'd have watermelon. And like I said, at first I was like, is this kind of racist? Like, are they being racist? But then mm. I realized, no, a lot of Italians like to have watermelon at the end of their meal. So I'm like, huh, mm. so why is that not a stereotype that Italians like watermelon? Why is it black people? Fried chicken. I've had fried chicken at my Italian friend's house many times. Why is that a stereotype that black people like fried chicken and watermelon? The and you know where it comes from, Britt? Yeah. It comes from the States. Yeah, I know. The minstrel shows. I That's know. where it comes I know, from. I know. I learned all about that this year, about the, mm-hmm. the history of the usage of, of watermelon and, and yep. uh, chicken. chicken. And it, it's disgusting. And it's disgusting yeah. that people still believe that. And the one and only time, because like I said, I'm not visibly black. So the one and only time that I was called the N-word, I was at the grocery store with my mom. And there was some racist guy and we were looking at the chicken in the, in the, in the aisle there. And the guy comes over and he goes, oh yeah, you guys like uh, chicken because you're black, huh? And don't forget there's some watermelon on sale down in the produce section because we know that N words like you and you, you like that stuff. And then you walk away. And my mom was like, wow. And, and to be honest with you, my reaction to that, because I'm mixed because I feel more black but look more white and have racial identity issues, mm-hmm. I took that as like, oh, damn, I'm part of the group now. Like, he put me, he, he's visibly being like, oh, you're black. I'm like, oh, I'm black. Great. And my mom was laughing so hard at me. I was like, they called me, he called me the N-word. That means he thinks I'm black. Brittany thought she got her t- her stamp. I was like, black oh, stamp yes. or black card. Yes, <laughs> I'm finally black. So oh. I wasn't offended. I was like, oh, okay, you recognize that that's my mom. So I'm black too. But I, w- I was like, really? Like what possessed him to be like, oh, there's these two women looking at chicken, like every other nationality. Yeah. And goes to Everybody like, buys chicken. Yeah. Why are you going to single us out and be like, oh yeah, because you guys like chicken. Uh, like what? Because yeah. it's easy, low hanging fruit for dumbass white folks to just tie themselves to get that joke out. Like it just, it really yeah. is. It's, yeah. so, it's so shameful, to be honest with you, that people could be this ignorant where in a grocery store, you're go- a mom and her daughter just yeah. minding their own business, looking at chicken and talking about, oh, well, you know, you niggas like chicken. So, yeah. oh, geez, oh, by the by, watermelon's on sale down this aisle here. Like, man, just you know, listen, have your non-season whatever, like <laughs> ramen noodle soup that you want to eat, <laughs> you know, with your bland ass rice. 
whatever. I don't know, man. Like, you know what? Unseasoned food. Unseasoned mashed potatoes. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. Like raisins in your macaroni oh, pot. Oh my god. <laughs> That's terrible. Like, white people look like, like, sorry for judging. Okay, white audiences, sorry. Like this is the kind of thing where like we just feel it's just it's so shameful that some people just literally go out of their way to say some hateful shit yeah. to people because of how we look like. This yeah. is the kind of shit that we have to go through. Not Look, I'm not saying I see racism every day in my life. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But mm-hmm. when I do see it, I wish white people would just call out that ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Or if something yeah. happens to you, you have to question, is it because of black? Yeah. 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 But and then Any one, other? More, one more thing that I could think of that I can't stand. I love some hoop earrings, okay? Oh, I God. love hoop earrings. I've been loving school. ghetto all yeah. I love my hoop earrings time. too. Oh, I Yo, can't listen, stand that. My girl is white and she likes some hoop earrings. So I mean yeah. let's just put it out there. My you girl see? from France. My girl is white from France. French. French. And, <laughs> and loves her some hoop earrings. And she look good in them too. So I mean she already knows I tell her every day, listen man, let me go and put my hoop earrings on. And I bet you some people probably even look at her as like, oh, she probably wearing hoop earrings because she's with a black man. Like, I don't know, there's this association (laughs) with like being yo. Yeah. What? what? Yeah. You're right. Sorry sorry for interrupting, Bia. I just had to go on that tangent. No, no, no. I I think that's a good point because not only black people like hoop earrings, all ethnicity. Yeah. We like hoop earrings, they're cute. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They make me look bomb. Right? They just give you a little extra pep in your set. I'm sorry, no matter what other kind of earrings I could put on. I'm like, yeah, this is nice. And then I put on some hoop earrings. I'm like, yes, oh, yeah. it's completed yes. the look. Yes, look it does. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> now, within reason, like if you got hoops the size of basketball hoops, and I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. a little too far. <laughs> or if you got like is it really the angel in between those those hoop earrings you know people have like the words that go in between it's like calm that oh, down. i wow. like yeah, those yeah. I, but you know i'm not gonna lie to you though <laughs> b i'm not gonna lie to you i kind of like those too <laughs> oh, i love them yeah oh, i don't like them. and they would have like something written in the middle of them yeah, I, don't yeah. like I, like I love those like, nicely like thin i don't like those big chunky ones I like them all. Oh, the, really, the, yeah. the regular ones, the big chunky ones. I love hoop earrings. <laughs> yeah. So that's just me. And I find I look fly in them. So right. I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as for me, the only stereotype... I get this a lot. So this is a stereotype that I just, just want to shake somebody when it... Why are you so angry? Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> the angry black woman narrative <laughs> is tired. It's tired. Yeah, it is. I'm tired of hearing it. And you guys heard in that uh, little clip um, earlier about um, she has to pretend, you know, not to be too aggressive because then she's going to be perceived as the angry black woman. Right. Oh yeah, we're. I've I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Why are you so angry? It's not that serious, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is. Um, and I'm really tired of that narrative for sure. The um, Because you know what? There are some people of other races that are very passionate 
I call it passionate. I don't call yep. it angry. Yep. Um, and I think, uh, again, this comes back to media. Media is always the issue around this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the media has perceived black women as to be strong, has to be passionate. Mm-hmm. And when we're passionate, it's not like we're passionate. Like It's not like we're going to pick fights with people. We're passionate about things, for example, protesting Black Lives Matter. Like we will, if we're passionate, it's really about an issue that needs to be addressed. And I feel like we're not the only ones that are passionate. You could find some Asian people who are passionate people who will, mm-hmm. you know, tell you like it is. You could find some, listen, listen to me, okay? Growing up in the West Island, I could count you a couple of passionate white girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know where this narrative of the angry black woman comes from, but it's tired and it needs to stop. It's 2021. I'm done with it. But the only ones that are calling, you know, black people angry are people that are not black. Because at the end of the day, if you see an angry white person, oh, look at that passion. Like it, Mm. it, 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 you you gotta flip, you know, you get, you gotta have it both ways or you you can't have it both ways. It's, you can't have a, a, a passionate black woman or a a passionate, you know, African American, and say, "Oh, he's just bitter and angry," as opposed to, let's say, somebody who's fighting for their own cause that they believe in, who happens to be white, and be like, "Yeah, look at that passion! I so I'm with that." Like, come on, mm-hmm. man! Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's crazy to me how that out. It, it always comes out that way. It always comes out where a, a woman who happens to be a black woman who is passionate about what she believes in, or doesn't agree with a certain way and uh, disagrees with it passionately, is deemed black as a black. You know, angry black, a- angry woman. black woman. Yeah, because you don't hear the angry black. Oh no, you don't ever hear angry white woman. Nope. Angry Asian woman. Nope. You don't hear those those narratives. You hear angry black mm-hmm. woman. You know, it's just like, but anybody can be passionate, and I or I don't even think angry is the word. It's just they're really passionate about something. But maybe angry is the right word though. Like I have, I have my opinion on it as you know what? Maybe black women are angry. Maybe they're angry because they have to worry about their children going out and police mm-hmm. brutality. They have to worry about their husband, partner, boyfriend, whatever, not getting into any altercations with the police, coming home yeah. safe. They're they're angry because not only are they black, so they're a minority, but they're women. So they're also a minority for that, too. So yeah. the struggle is harder. So, yeah, maybe they are angry and they're allowed to be angry. And yeah. you know, shut your mouth. That, that, like, that's my opinion that's on good. it. It's, yeah. I, I just, that's ugh. a good way of saying You're right. It, it could definitely be that situation. Like, we're just tired. And so we got this anger, anger to us that comes out and you're probably right i think for most of us we are just tired of the bullshit yeah so much that you can handle and you're seeing it it's generational it's not even like it's just happening to you it's happening to you it happened to your mom your grandmother it's happening to your friends your aunts your cousins everybody and you're just sick and tired of it yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with that and and another thing too not just white people call black woman angry black women oh black people too that are black people and specifically black men because for those black men that and i'm not talking about you aj because i know that your girlfriend's white Mm -hmm. but i'm talking about those men those black men that refuse to date black women because they say they're too much drama because they're too angry that's a stereotype within that kind of train of thought where it's but like, you ever notice like, you how there is black mom like what you ever notice how there's a lot of negative connotation towards the black female but the yeah. black males get the best ones mm-hmm. you know yeah. oh black men are good in bed well, black men like, 
the mm-hmm. best ones. Whereas black women were headaches, were angry, were trouble. Like, what? What do you get from? <laughs> Andrew, maybe you could educate me. What are the bl- bad ones for black men? Because I can't think of any. Well, look, I'm not going to lie to you. When I I used to work at a bank, I used to work at RBC, and um, one of my closest friends, like even to this day that I that I've made working at RBC, told me like. And he's a big dude. Like he's way bigger than me. I'm five five ten at the most, two hundred and like ten. But this dude's like six three and like two fifty. And he was like, "Look, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. Like when I first met you, like I was intimidated because you just had these tattoos. You were like a big built dude, and yeah. And I'm like, bro, you crazy, man? You could you could just eat me right now. Like, I'm talking about intimidated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but he's he told me like, you know what? Like, and after getting to know you, I realized, man, you were like one of the coolest dudes that I ever met. Like you you're genuine you're funny you're you're a real person you're approachable and i'm like yeah but that's just about you know anybody that you can come across that, that happens to look like me mm-hmm. we just don't we're not deemed this threat because of the color of our skin or the mm-hmm. fact that i wear earrings you know baseball cap t-shirts with like mm-hmm. certain slogans and whatnot like it, it's it's all about perspective and understanding and that's the thing like he was open to the idea of getting to know me because i mean at the end of the day like we worked in the same building so he didn't have much choice but <laughs> mm-hmm. those that don't have that choice that see me as a threat you know because and of my skin that's do you think it's because he wasn't around other black people no that's know- the thing i don't think it was because i well let's put it this way his black friend was is way more mellow than me as far as you know quote unquote blackness you know what i mean like it's it's he was the only black dude among a group of white people his on his circle of friends like he there's one black dude and it's like eight other white dudes and he's more you know you know not nearly as like um let's split it this way overt black like I'm like I love my blackness and I appreciate my blackness. Right. You know I say the word I say the nigga I say nigga all the time. Whatever the case is, like you know I love my hip hop. I dress a certain way. I got earrings. I got like you know tattoos or whatnot. He is about as clean cut a black dude as I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> got it. <laughs> clean cut. You're like clean cut. But so, then he should be more around diverse because not all black people are like that. That's exactly you know if there's a diverse. You need to be around yeah. different diverse of black people. That's I had the exactly same situation it. happen to actually my best friend. Um, she got hired at this uh, store, and she was working there, and nobody wanted to talk to her because she has. I don't believe this, but everybody says she has RBF. Now, if you don't know what RBF <laughs> means, resting bitch face. Wow. Is that I mean, don't is? we all <laughs> RBF resting bitch face? So <laughs> okay. So now wow. I get hired. I get hired onto this job that we're doing. And I remember the girl saying, Oh, you wanna kind of, you know, you don't wanna like you don't wanna upset her. Like you don't don't she's kind of like you know, she's got RBF and and these are white girls telling me this. Like, just, just oh, be careful because you know, and these are girls who I could tell you don't have any black, black friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And so they didn't want to like get into a situation that they couldn't come out of. And I'm like, and y'all are, and I'm a very bubbly person, I'm very mm-hmm. open, I'm very vibrant, but you cross me and then then there's a problem. Right. 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 But I'm black and I'm like, really? She's She's like this. I under, I get it. Like she's my best friend. She just have a face where she's like, "Don't fucking mess with me," okay? And I get it. But it didn't deter me 
from going to, hey girl, I'm Michelle, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And from them seeing me hanging out more and more with her, they started to ask, well, what would you like? And then I kind of just kind of brought her in and they realized that they were being like this for no reason. Of course. They automatically judged her based off of her face. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, I, I think they kind of felt stupid after, you know, and I, that's why I always encourage people to meet people outside of your race, get to know them. Um, and that way you learn something, yeah. you know, intimidated. Exactly. They were completely that goes with all walks of life. That goes with all circles of people. Like, and that's the thing that I find so fascinating when it comes to, especially when it comes to the black, you know, the black woman. Why would you be intimidated by any one person to begin with based on the color of their skin? Feel like like, don't get me wrong, there are some bitches out there, okay? Black, white, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it, it shouldn't prevent you from going out of your way to just you know, be more open to the idea of getting to know such person. Exactly. You know the That's saying, all. never judge a book by its cover? Exactly. At least make the attempt. If you find y'all don't vibe, at least you made the attempt. Yeah, and I'm like you, Michelle. I literally, I will talk to anybody. Like, just the other day, I was talking with some dude at the grocery store that noticed my toque. It was a Baltimore Ravens toque. Um, it's a football team. And mm-hmm. he's a he's a, a fan of another team. And we were just talking. And my girl, she is not the approachable type. And she white. Don't get me wrong. She is not the approachable type. She probably has that RBF thing, too. Like, I ain't going to lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And I love my girl to death. But the fact that I am so open to talking to anybody that comes across me, like, I don't care. Like, I'm willing to talk to just about anybody, white, black, Latino, you know, Chinese, whatever. If you're cool enough to talk to, you're cool enough to talk to. And get mm-hmm. to know and, and, and yeah. have an appreciation of somebody who looks different. White people shouldn't feel so intimidated by seeing somebody else that doesn't look like them. Yes, yeah. the majority of people in the world look like you. But yes. feel free to branch out, man. It's not yeah. that bad. No. <laughs> it really you is. It's funny, though. When I find myself in a situation like that, when I'm at a new job, like I used to work at the hospital and I worked in different departments. So I'd find new coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. I would always gravitate towards anyone who wasn't white. And right. if I saw a group of white people, I was hesitant to like join that group because I was like, oh, I, if I hear like, oh, you're so ghetto or whatever one more time, I'm going to lose my shit. So yeah. I'd prefer <laughs> to go with somebody yeah. who was Indian, Filipino, but it yeah. didn't matter as long as they weren't white. I was I was more comfortable approaching them. And I always ended up being friends with people who were not white. More Absolutely. so than I made white friends. Not like I'm racist or anything, and I'm like I don't hang out with white people. I have mm-hmm. white friends that I'm still to this day, even if I don't work there, I'm still friends with them. But mm-hmm. I was more reluctant to join their group yeah. as opposed to the non like minorities. I think there's also there's comfortability and similarities. Yeah, and for me, when I was um, when I meet people, I also meet people who are of other ethnicities than myself, so Indian, Chinese, and you we we could always laugh about <laughs> getting our ass handed to us. Oh by our my parents. god, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then if you have that white friend, oh my god, your parents beat you, right? <laughs> Did you not call child protective services? <laughs> Yo, let me tell you, white person was the first person who introduced me to white uh, child protective services. I had no idea who they were I until hope, I, hope I was friends with the white person. <laughs> That's the story for another day. <laughs> we will not get into that today. <laughs> But 
we would always laugh about it. And I find myself gravitating towards them. And I'm very open in terms of learning different type of ethnicities, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So I would more so gravitate towards them. Not again, like Brittany, not saying that I wouldn't gravitate um, towards white people because I would. I'm a very friendly person. Yeah. I think it wasn't until after high school that I became a little bit more cautious around white people. Mm-hmm. And it, it really had to do with going into Sejap. I saw how can I explain? Because I'm a very passionate person. Yeah. And at the time, I was I wouldn't I wasn't afraid. Now I'm a little bit more like I'll take my time, but I wasn't afraid to call out your shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they didn't like about me. I would call you out. And so if I called you out on your shit, that's when they started to distance themselves from me. And then they would talk badly behind my back. And so I was like, you know what? If you guys can't keep it 100, if we're not, if we're real friends, you would keep it real. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm calling, calling you out on something and your first response is to talk shit to the next girl and then stop calling and so then you're not a real friend. It's going to be very surface level. And that's when I said, you know what? Um, I felt like people who were more my complexion or like I said, Indian Asian, they got it. They understood the realness. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Whereas um, I kind of had to fluff it up and be like, Oh my God. Right. Mm -hmm. Just very surface. Which right. is so with exhausting. Them. Yeah, that is exhausting. Oh my gosh, when I hang out with my white friends, even to this day, sorry any of my white friends that are listening, I'm more exhausted because I'm more of an introvert. So just hanging out with people, period, is like more genuine <laughs> to me than, than other people. I'm like, I just well, that's home. the end of this podcast. That's why this, yeah. that's why this <laughs> pandemic is great for me. I'm like, I can just sit at home. I don't need to talk to people. Yeah. But hanging out with my white friends, I always leave a little bit more drained because I feel like I have to like, act a certain way or say certain things or whatever but when i went hang out with my black friends i just feel like 100 percent i could be myself yeah i'm not afraid at all yeah yeah you feel and that's like me for in the workplace too you have to put on a persona and i feel so exhausted that i have to put on this oh my god you're so funny (laughs) and in the back of my mind i don't give a fuck honestly (laughs) i don't give a fuck but i just have to you know, if you want that promotion, you have to put on this this face, yeah. especially because you're black. You know, I feel like if you put on the face in the corporate world, there's more likely, maybe, but there's more likelihood of you moving up the ranks mm-hmm. than oh if you don't. Michelle, I have to cut you off. I just thought of something. I work Good. for a company, a shoe company, a very well-known Montreal shoe company. I'll leave it at that. And... I had to put on this front, this like, oh, yes, <laughs> so funny, you know, and I got along with everybody. Everything was great. I got a promotion. Life was good. And then I got, uh, I went on maternity leave. I got pregnant and I left. I came mm. back and I'm kind of like, wait a sec, who cares about shoes? I have my baby at home. I'm like, why are you guys stressing about like a shipment being late from China? Right. Like, who could, like, this is not a necessity. These are just fashion shoes. This is not like, oh, there's starving kids out there that don't have food. And there's people that like need surgery. Like this is it's just shoes. So mm-hmm. I started to kind of back off a little bit. And I was tired because I was a new mom. I went back after nine months. I was just, I was not in a good mental space where I was like, I, I can't do this whole, oh, yes. Oh, like you want to go for a, t- a coffee, a tea? Oh, let's do lunch. I couldn't do it. So I was like, I'm going to just start hanging out by myself. I'll do my job. I'll be respectful. I'll be polite. I'll be pleasant. But on my lunches, I'm not doing this bullshit for an hour. This is my unpaid lunch hour and I will do what I want with it. 
And so I go and like do my grocery shopping during that time so that I didn't have to do it after work so I could spend more time with my daughter or whatever. And I got called into the office so many freaking times being like, I'm unapproachable. I I need to start like hanging out with the people more or whatever. We don't think that you're happy just because I wasn't playing that bullshit game of, yep. oh, yes, I'll yep. let's go for coffee. And, there's, and they even said, you stop going for coffee with people. Why do I have to do that? And I was ultimately fired. Wow. A couple months later. What? Yeah. Yeah. They fired I remember me. the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I that that if you don't play that game, you're not gonna Ugh. get ahead. No, true. you're not. It's true. And in the in the field that I'm in, <laughs> it's not a very exciting field, guys. But in the location that I'm in, if you do not play the part, just expect to keep your butt in the same position that you're in you're not going to move up any ranks right and it's unfortunate because you could actually be really good i feel like you shouldn't it it shouldn't always be about you being sociable because you could be sociable but you don't even have the experience so now you're going to promote somebody who has no experience who could really mess things up for you as a company and you're going to promote that person just based off of sociability Mm -hmm. you know so i feel like you should more so look at um um, experience more than sociable if they vibe with you that's even a bonus that's great you know but it is ex- I, girl i'm exhausted the amount of times i had to ah, ha, ha, ha. yes really and at the end of the day i'm like i'm mentally tired yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what the funny thing is too like especially with the work dynamic i'll tell you this much like a few years back um the vice president of the company uh it was around father's day too so it was the vice president of the company that came up to me he's like so how are you gonna celebrate father's day because you must have a couple of kids somewhere oh shit and i was like what the fuck did he uh, just say? like you no know, he didn't yeah he really did he, and it was on blast and <laughs> my one of my one of my close friends who, who was like not too far from you like where we work she heard it and another one of my buddies heard it and they both like just like they, it was like a dead silence and stop and for me, because I'm at work, because of my the color of my skin, I'm assuming he's thinking that I have that I have kids. And the fact that he could even say at home, he said somewhere, that really ticked me off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the fact that I couldn't respond the way I wanted to respond because he's your boss. It, it just God, it eats me to this day because I I don't even know if this was something that was said in amongst us in like a restaurant uh like you know in a in a different setting aside from work i might have want to punch them in the face i'm not gonna lie to you like that was kind right. of racial that was inappropriate exactly totally and, inappropriate i'll call for it stereotyping too yeah but that's exactly my point and so the idea that this is the kind of thing that also black men and black women have to go through as far as we have to hold back so much more with the bullshit that yes. we have to deal with that yes. in a situation like this where I would have normally went off on the dude, but I you couldn't. can't because now your job is on the line. Exactly, and he's never yeah. going to change his ways because he's never going to get called out if he continues to do that in that setting. He That's knows exactly that it. no one's going to call him out, so he can continue being a freaking racist piece of shit. Yeah, and sometimes yep. it's the system of the business, right? Yep. Let's exactly hypothetically it. say you go to HR, you report it. You don't know if HR has your back, exactly. right? Yep. It could be a situation that HR has his back. It's like calling the police. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> now the, exactly. you flip the script and now who's out of a job? It's you. Yeah, Even absolutely. though you did what was supposed to be done as this procedure and the company's what the company asks you to do if you're dealing with any kind of 
situation like that, you need to report it. You do what you're supposed to do, and then you're the one who ends up losing your job. Exactly. Like, yep. so I find a lot of people have to hold their tongues and they have to deal with. Oh, let me tell you, AJ, I've got stories for days, mm-hmm. and they're not my experiences. I have friends who've gone through these experiences. Um, I haven't. I haven't. I can't say I haven't. Um, there is actually a. Uh, class action against the government. I don't know if you guys saw the government of Canada where black people are, are, um, I guess they want justice, I guess you could say for all of the racial profiling and um, uh, things that are happening within the government. I can't comment on that, but just know that if you could get that in, um, a regular company settings. Listen, you can get it also in a governmental settings as well. Sure. Damn. Yeah. But do you wow. guys think that, you know how we're talking about racism in Canada opposed to states because people are not as aware of racism being here? Do you think that it's because it's more passive aggressive, like that comment that he made where it's kind of like, oh, if you did confront him, he could be like, oh, well, no, I just meant blah, 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 and explain Playing it away. Victim? Yeah, yeah, like that's exactly what a lot of people do. That's that's the that's the hilarity of it all. Like, you were the one being a dick. I shoot back at you for your dumbass comment, but I'm the asshole because of it. That's the part where, like, that's why we have to hold back. Exactly. You know, that's exactly why we have to hold back. Because imagine if I really wanted to say what I wanted to say, like, if I said it, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a job. There's exactly, no they come after you, even yeah. though he was the one who started it first. And then he may just explain it and be like, "Oh, it had nothing to do with you being black. It's because you're however old you are." And no, that had yeah. everything to do with being black. That's oh. a flat out lie. But I'm thinking it's that passive true. aggressiveness that I'm kind of like, "Oh, maybe that's that's what Canadians do. They seem to be nice, but they see these little stupid comments that could be taken some kind of way, and they could just be like, "No, I didn't. No, mean it like I don't that. think it's. Oh, I think you're giving them too much credit. I think that's." Pure ignorance. Yeah, they have been fed into these stereotypes. They've been spoon fed this to mm-hmm. say this is black people. Black men have multiple children out of wedlock. Yeah. Black women are angry as fuck. And if you are going to allow yourself to continue to be spoon fed by the media and you're not going to do the work, you're not going to educate yourself, well, then that's on you. Yep. That's not passive shit. I'm not put like it's almost like making an excuse for the behavior. No, no, exactly no, no. I'm saying I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like they're saying it in a way instead of being like that guy that's saying, oh, you know, there's chicken because you had words. Blah, 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 blah. Instead of being overtly racist, they say it in a way where it's yeah, like, oh, okay. you know what I'm I saying? Said. Where they can say yeah. some, they could say it in a way where you know what they meant. They know that you know what they meant, but if they <laughs> wanted to, if the, you call them out, they have their go-to lame-ass No, oh, they have like a multiple them. avenue undertone. That's exactly yeah, what that's it is. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. yeah, like it's, yeah. but, and the thing is too, like, and not to, you know, my, my girlfriend, I told my girlfriend this story and she was thinking, oh no, it can't be because he was, because you're black. And I'm like, babe, come on. Like, think about it. Like, mm-hmm. why else would he say, so like, well, you're, you're a young looking, good looking man. That's probably what he meant. And I'm like, this is the kind of benefit of the doubt shit that white people get that will never be afforded to black people. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a white man saying something like this, where I know exactly what he means, he knows exactly what he means. But somebody Mm -hmm. who doesn't see racism in that same scope like I do, as in my Mm -hmm. girlfriend, to that extent, where Mm -hmm. she feels it's it's not being racially charged as opposed to me being a good looking young man that has children. But I'm like, 
But at the end of the day, he would say, I have I must have kids at home, not somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The somewhere part to me was like, what? He like, that's where it made that, me think that was about a choice it. that he made. He exactly. knew exactly what message yeah. he was trying to yeah. convey by saying that. Yeah. yeah. Not children at home. It's children somewhere. So it's yeah. like, yeah. wait a minute now. Like, you know, I got and you. And it was a boss, right, Andrew? So that was a boss who said that? Yeah. It was one of my one of my old bosses. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. He ain't there no more. I mean, whatever. Sure. But <laughs> when he was there, it was just like, man, I can't believe this dude. Like, seriously? Yeah. 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 I was in a situation almost similar to that where I was with. Now, at the time, I was living with my parents. So, honestly, if I got fired from a job, it was like I'm still in school. I don't really care. So, I, it was like whatever. Mm-hmm. I was working for this company, and I had got into a little bit of a situation with my, at the time, partner. So, you know, you coming to work, you know, us women, we're a little distraught. Mm-hmm. And one of my coworkers came to comfort me. Now, this white girl kept walking by me. Because I guess, you know, she knows you like that and wants to know what was going on. So this coworker that I confided in um, was comforting me. So now I go in to clock into my shift. I'm literally a minute late. Just a minute. So now when it's time for us to leave for the day, what they're old school. So it's not like a situation where you like punch in and punch out. You literally have to write what time you start on a piece of paper oh, wow. to what time you end it on a piece of paper. And then you would hand it in. And she normally works alongside me, but for that day she had to work in, in the like clock in department. So in terms of paper, and so I put in. Let's say I was supposed to start at six. I put six, even though I started at six oh one, and I put the paper in. And this woman is like on my case. She's not my boss. She's my coworker who just happened for that day to, because I needed somebody to fill in for that position there because yeah. the person who normally does it um she was sick so they asked her to do it she's literally like coming at me over one minute wow. you can't do that you're a, you have to i'm like it's only one minute it's not that big she's coming at me hard now she's making a scene to the point where everybody is now watching her mm-hmm. and i'm like trying to get away from her because she but now she's becoming What's the word? Belligerent. Um, more like in your face. Like, you know, when you're trying to fight somebody right. and you come close. Now she's getting in my personal space and she's trying to come down at me, trying to be, I guess, aggressive. I'm not afraid of her because I know if she swings, I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. Um. So finally, and everyone's like watching this, but they're kind of like not doing anything about it. So I finally grab my stuff and then she says something to me. I don't remember what it is, but you know how those people who like, they see that you're not reacting and then they say that one thing that will set you off. She said that one thing and I lost it. Called her a bitch. I told her to go fuck herself. I told her everything. I am not one to sit here. I took the disrespect. You took it to a different level and now you want me to just sit there and take it. So I cussed her. I told her to go fuck herself. The next day, I come into work. The bosses call me. And they say, well, because you swore at Harry, you're going to have to deal with three days of suspension unpaid. What? And here's the kicker. They interviewed everybody, and everybody said that she started it. But who had to deal with the repercussions? Of course. 
Oh my god! <laughs> and from that day, I was like, "Fuck this company!" And let me tell you, I found another job. Gave them my resignation. I remember the boss's face, like, "Are you joking?" I was like, "No," with a huge smile on my face. Yeah, because I'm a person who there's there's one thing you do not fuck with, and that's my money. That was three days of no pay because of this girl who started it. What a mess! She saw me crying. She saw I was distraught. And now you're coming at me? So I was like, you know what? Fuck this place. Fuck them. And I found another job and I said, I'm leaving. And he knew, the boss knew why I was leaving because he, he they interviewed everybody to know what happened. And everyone's like, Adriana came for her. She started, da 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 da. And I was the one who gets a three day suspension. I was like, well, okay. That's how that's how things work here. That is how things work. You don't get if you flag somebody, you defend yourself, whatever, you will always be the wrong one because you're black. If you yes. defend somebody who's black or you like I worked at a store where I've worked at many clothing stores when I was a teenager. And there's been many times where I've been told to follow black people. Okay. And you, so yeah. I worked at the store. I was told to follow black people. There was one black girl that worked there. She worked in the back. She was, you know, receiving the shipments, putting stuff on a rack. Then she'd bring the rack out and then bring everything in the front. Like I said, again, I benefit from white privilege because I'm not visibly black. So I was put on the floor and treated like everybody else. But this black girl was in the back and people didn't talk to her. People were super rude. The manager was rude to her. I was the only one that talked to her. And I noticed that. I was like, why is the manager treating her like a piece of shit? And Mm. she treats everybody else with fairness and like equality. So this manager would tell me, follow black people in the store. And I'm like, why? She said, because they steal and they make messes all over the store. I was like, I was like, I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for telling me that. I went in the back. I was like, listen, I can't remember what her name was. I said, the manager just said X, Y, Z to me. Because we'd been talking about how she'd been doing passive racist things to this girl, but we couldn't flag her. And I was like, she just said this. This is flag. Let's call HR. Called HR. They came down, interviewed everybody. She ended up getting demoted only. She ended up going from like a class A to a class D store or whatever, but she still was able to keep her job. They thanked us for calling. They were like, yes, this is not acceptable, whatever. Who did they bring in as the new manager of the store? My former manager's best friend. Oh, hell. You see? So these what happened in me, me, I ended up getting my freaking hours cut. Yep. And I was like, just like you, That's Michelle, at home. I'm like, fuck you then. I yeah. needed some money. I was going on a trip to New York. I was like, let me get some extra little money when I get the amount that I had set in my head. Peace. I called them the day of one of my shifts. I was like, I'm not coming right. in. I quit. <laughs> and I'm coming to my check in two weeks. You see? The district, and, and I feel like retail is notorious for this, eh? Yeah. Because I've heard so many stories of people who work in retail and it goes as as simple as, oh, their hair isn't done. And they don't hire a lot of people of color because when I go into the stores, I don't see a lot of people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, growing up, I didn't see, like, you could walk into the gap and I could tell you everybody in the gap was white. I had a hard time even getting jobs in retail because I didn't fit a look mm-hmm. right and it's it's and and then the next thing for you to say that they hired the bestie it, it upsets me because these companies protect them instead of firing them mm-hmm. 
she still has a job, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Oh my gosh. Isn't- I have one more story. I, but I have really bad memory. So <laughs> when I think of something, I have to say, or else I'm going to forget you guys. I worked at this place where the manager during the Christmas party, I wasn't there. And I'm so upset that I wasn't there to see it for myself. She got drunk during the Christmas party and told the DJ she wanted the DJ to play Dancing Queen by ABBA. And he played it. And then she came in again, however long later, and said, can you play Dancing Queen? And he said, no, I already played it. I have other songs to play. I'll play it later. And she popped off. This was a white manager. And she popped off on this black DJ, called him the N-word. She went off okay Get out the of next here. day i think i think we had work the next day or whenever the next shift was it was close then if it wasn't the next day it was gonna be like two days from now if the weekend was there or something she came into work and was acting as manager i'm like yo is this woman actually thinking that she's gonna tell people what to do when she just popped off on this black guy when she had been racist to every single black employee that had been there she'd not been overtly racist but she'd like i said passive right making these little comments following wow. you if more than one black person at a time were talking she'd come in and be like what are you talking about but she right. wouldn't do that to my white co-workers she remained there at least for another month or something they did not fire her people they brought it to hr it was a whole thing and ultimately she just was uh she announced her retirement so we think that they forced her to retire but that mm. was it she got nothing 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 and she was able to still act as manager and we're all looking at her like uh, you think you're going to tell me what to do when we know that you're like that? She went off crying. And this is, this is the privilege. Racist. This is the privilege that we talk about when it comes to white people. Because imagine if a black person popped off in a drunken tirade on a, let's say, yes. you know, calling some one of the co-workers a bitch or whatnot. Who knows? Any tirade like that would have actually had somebody calling them for HR and possibly yeah. getting suspended. Fired at the very least, I think a suspension. Maybe yeah. not so much fired. We don't know. Like, I mean, it all depends. But like, the fact that this woman can go out of her way to say something like that to another human being who happens to be of a different color, and that it's just swept under the rug, like, oh no, moving along. No. This is the kind of thing that we get frustrated with because yeah. and, you don't get that benefit of the doubt. No, and there. I- what upsets me is that there's no repercussions. There's no consequences for their actions. And because there's no yep. consequences, they can continue to do it day in and day out. And I yeah. think the times have changed, though, now. Because before, you only had somebody's word. Now, with smartphones, you got video, you got audio. Yeah. Now we can get you. Right. Because at first it was my word against theirs. And the likelihood is that they're going to believe the other person over me. But if I've got audio proof, Mm -hmm. hearing that you're calling somebody an N word, Mm -hmm. why is this person still in a job? Doesn't it doesn't it um, question your values as a company? Do you want that representing your company? And we do find now in um, this generation that companies will fire you over this stuff. Mm-hmm. We've seen it before, and I like that because it it shows them that they're not playing around. And also, I I also believe it's um um a PR stunt too. They don't want to tarnish their brand, and it's better to just you know dismiss the person than to keep them on board. Mm-hmm. 
right? But I do think there should be some sort of repercussion. I think if there was, then people would be more comfortable to come to HR or uh, to talk about the issues that are happening in the workplace. But until we see, you know, justice, you know, like, can you imagine that? We have to deal with it in companies, in our workplace. We have to deal with it with police and police brutality. Like, there's no form of justice. Mm -hmm. And it's so... Yeah. Frustrating, and this is why I'm angry because I'm tired of the shit. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that we would we, we the standards are so different compared to what black people are dealing with and have to have to live up to as opposed to white people. It's it's unbelievable to me that people like you know that that can do something like what Brittany just explained as far as a white person calling the uh, a black man the n word simply because they're not playing the song that they want. Really. Like, Really the absurd. Lack of maturity, the lack of awareness, the lack of respect, and that never. There's no consequence for that. Yeah. But God forbid if my black ass did something like that in in an open setting with my coworkers. Imagine what's going to happen to me the next day. Or I just gave you an after. example. I got suspended three days without That's pay. Exactly it. Yep. So I mean, it, it's the standards that white people can, you know, that they don't have to deal with that black people do on a regular basis. We have to work twice as hard. We have to do. Yeah. You know, we have to be, you know, half as quiet. <laughs> like it just, you know, or double, or, doubly quiet, more quiet. Like yeah. we, we can't ruffle any feathers per se, um, to, because of, of the 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 downright, you know, discomfort that white people are easily feeling around black people. Mm-hmm. It, these are the kind of things that we just we're tired of. We're fed up with. Yeah, and yeah. um, whether it's the racial microaggression, where there's really out there racism, it's just. It's, it's exhausting, but yep. I have to say, um, even though we have uh, a lot of adversity, we do it with such grace and humor and humor. We have a way of using humor to deal with whatever issues is ailing us. Um, we laugh about it. I mean, I know it's never a laughing matter, but it's, I guess, maybe a coping mechanism that we use just to get through it. Right. You know, so... Um, I did want to go on to the next question. Now, how does it feel to constantly, constantly, sorry, see black bodies losing their lives to police brutality? Like, how does that make you feel as a black man, Andrew? Man, where do I start? <laughs> okay. I mean, we, we pretty much used all the adjectives we could as far as frustrated, fed up, tired. Um, like, I don't understand why it's so easy for white people or white officers to feel like they need to go through that kind of route in order to defuse the situation. Mm-hmm. Like it's a life, you know, we only get one and we deem it as precious, but mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, the very fact that you guys, that, that people that don't understand, like what non-white, um, non-black people that, that have this idea that, when they say blue lives matter, like, you know, like we, we get it that all lives should be respected, but why do you have to jump to the, you know, to the defense of a, of a person that murdered another man or another woman at the end of the day, murder is murder. Yep. You know, a man who is going to be threatening, I get that. But a guy who's, let's say, walking away to his car to go into a truck with his babies and gets shot in the back seven times or a Breonna Taylor, who's minding her own business, sleeping in in a bed. And gets pumped with you know with bullets from like four different angles, yeah. you know. It, it, Ahmaud Arbery, who's minding his own business, jogging in the middle of a street, 
like these are the kind of things that when we see this, we get bothered tremendously because at the end of the day, we're people too. Yes. Like, you know, that's all it is. Like we want to go home to our babies just like everybody else wants to go home to their babies. I don't have any kids yet, don't mind you, but I mean at the end of the day, like this but is you have a girlfriend I, that you know you would like to see yeah, the next exactly, day. Exactly. Like I want to go home just as much as you do, you know, or policemen that feel like we're a target just because of, of the color of our skin. I mean, like, come on, man. Like it, it to me, it's tiring. That's all it is mm. to me. It, it's just absolutely tiring because at the end of the day, like who are we supposed to really trust or, or confide in aside from people that look like us when it comes to these situations, because the other side doesn't want to have an understanding of what it's like as black men living in a certain neighborhood or living in a certain city or going to certain places. Like, right. you know, we're not threats because of, of the color of our skin or the tattoos or whatever that we have that, that gives you this idea that we could be, you know, scary people. That's, right. That's the sickening part to me is that we're not deemed as people anymore no. because of how easily our lives are thrown away simply because of their discomfort. Yeah, which is so strange to me when I see a black guy, let's say I'm walking down the street and there's a black guy and a white guy and they both be dressed the same. Let's say they both have tons of tattoos and they're both wearing baggy clothes or whatever the stereotype is. I'm more afraid of the white guy than the black guy because I yeah. feel like he's going to try to like he feels like he has something to prove. So I'm more afraid. I'm not looking at the black guys like, oh my gosh, he's so scary. I'm like, no, man, white guy, like you feel like you have to to up your game or something because you're white and need to compensate for your whiteness. I'm mm-hmm. more afraid of that. <laughs> I'm afraid of anybody that. who looks like they could kill me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like if you look <laughs> if you look scary, I'm like you look scary. I don't care what you look like. Yeah, if you're like tweaked out on drugs and you're like this like, you're scary. Lady, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> Like I don't discriminate. If somebody looks scary and they look sketchy, they look scary and they look sketchy, you know. And I mean that could be anybody. It could be brown, white. If you look sketchy, you look sketchy. Something's up, mm-hmm. you know. And I just feel like we kind of get vilified right away. Put Absolutely. a picture of a black guy and a white guy, just a regular picture, right next to it, and automatically black person will get vilified automatically the white person will probably get oh he probably is a straight a student gonna make his way to harvard whereas the black person they're probably like oh he probably in the ghetto he probably sells drugs like automatically vilify automatically but you see it in news clipping too you see it in like like how the news is covered is covering let's say the death of a black person as opposed to let's say a mass white shooter who's who's covered as well who's like oh well he was such a good kid in school or he was such a good neighbor blah 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 ray 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 like yeah we we don't get that benefit of the doubt no it's automatically they're looking into our records and they find pictures of us on facebook smoking a joint like Mm -hmm. automatically that's what they They go for they vilify us they find our our least desirable moments and vilify (laughs) us for that particular circumstance to defend the fact that we should get shot or killed or whatnot. And it's crazy because we've all done stupid shit as teenagers, right? We've all done something stupid as teenager. And so that one particular photo that you find is pretty much the, the staple of me period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like we couldn't have grown from this. Because it fits into the stereotype. They, it, fits, it, it puts you in that box that they want to put you in. And exactly. white people will excuse it most of the time. Mental health 
issues. Oh, we're always you schizophrenic. Oh, he was this and that. And I never let, hear that for black people. I never it. hear that. That's it. And let me clarify because I don't want people to think that we're being insensitive. We understand that there are people who do have mental issues. Not going to deny this here, but sometimes it is used as a way for people to get lesser charges mm-hmm. or to get off. Or sympathy. Yeah, exactly. And or, there's really no. Sympathy. Yeah. Exactly. And there's really no. And I know that they use it as a form of getting off. Let's just plead mental health. Yeah. So that they could either get a reduce their load or even get off. And yes, think, about, think about there's a white guy who's an NDG. I don't know if you guys seen on the news. He attacked a woman what, a couple of years ago. Um, he almost killed her. He stabbed her in the neck so hard that the neck, when he tried to take the knife out of the neck, it stayed in her neck. Oh, and God. So he ended up in jail. Very minimal sentence. I think it was like two years or something like that for attempted murder. Um, wow. they, let him, they let him off early. I think for good behavior, if I'm not mistaken, and they put him in a halfway house here in St. Henry. Okay. Um, He failed to appear like they have, um, uh, what do you call it? Curfews and stuff at the halfway house. He didn't come in on time once. He he just didn't show up. So they put out an alert. This guy's on the loose. He stabbed that woman and he stabbed people before. Um, So then they found him, brought him back to the halfway house. Okay. No problem. No ramifications. No nothing. Guess what? A couple days ago, this guy's still, he's gone again. He's gone again. And the person that he attacked, she's like, I'm afraid for my life. And I'm afraid because he was in NDG. I live in NDG. And uh, St. Henry's around my area. And I'm like, man, there's this guy no loose. And she was like, why are they prioritizing his mental health over the public safety? Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And I thought, you know what? If this was a black man, his ass would still be in jail. He or wouldn't dead. be no freaking half exactly. Yeah. Not a halfway house. Uh, it, and once again, it goes back to the fact that white people feel comfortable and will go out of the way to the they will go to the nine to the defender own. You know, until until they really can't justify defending that person anymore. I mean, case in point, Trump. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> Trump supporters to this day, like I still don't understand how they don't feel like he lost the election, but whatever. That's a different story for another day. But the idea that you're talking about a guy who murdered or attempted to murder three different people or two different people and was put in a halfway house as opposed to actually putting himself in a jail cell, black people will never get that benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And I it, it all goes back to the same sentence benefit of the doubt. Black people are feared. For whatever reason, because of how we look like white people are are endeared because of that. Oh, well, good old good old boy, you know, next door guy next door kind of, you know, mental mentality when it comes to white people. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. Oh, blonde hair, blue eyes, such a good looking kid. Oh, he was such a good guy. But you know what? We're going to defend him, you know, even if he stabbed five people. What? How does that happen? <laughs> like, where, where does that come from? And it's and, those same people that defend those white people, right? Being like, oh, wasn't he a good guy? Or he just suffered from this and that, that will blame or fault black people mm-hmm. for supporting someone like George Floyd. Being yep. like, well, you know, it was a counterfeit $20 bill, so I don't know why you're defending a criminal. And it's yeah. like, no. And it wasn't even. They found out that it was real. So yeah. how do you feel now? Is it still worth a life? Is $20 worth a life? Yeah. And, and but it's real or fake. You're so quick to judge a black man. For using a counterfeit daughter, counterfeit bill, or allegedly using a counterfeit bill, as opposed to really having an understanding that the man lost his life for that bill. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that is so crazy to me. 
It's like it's warranted. He, yeah, his life was warranted it. to be a lot. Yeah. Like his For life, $20? His life was not meant... It, it wasn't worth anything to you to see a man on TV get his ass choked out for like almost nine minutes. Like that's how that's how little empathy you have for a black person. But here's the thing. That was a white person kneeling down like that and a black man on that person's neck. Imagine how many white people be looking hunting for blood for a black person right now. But here's the thing. (laughs) This might sound so stupid, but it's it's true to say. I'm not even surprised at how people were responding and saying that what it was warranted. Because do you remember a couple years ago how a little kid fell into a zoo, uh, um, a cage, and there was a gorilla, and yeah. the uproar yeah. over the death of the gorilla. So you I mean know. to say a child, <laughs> a black child, life means nothing in no. comparison to a gorilla. So after that gorilla situation, and seeing the George Floyd situation, and seeing the response, I was like, well. No. Are we really surprised, Michelle? They valued of a gorilla's life over yep. a child. Yep, this is exactly it. Or a dog. Oh my God! Please don't affect. Don't, God, yes. don't hurt a dog or a cat. You know, but I forbid <laughs> any animal. And watching a black man get choked out does not phase you whatsoever. What? Yep. Like, what kind of world are we living in where this is the kind of shit that we have to worry about? Like, it's like if you have to have a total poll, like a hierarchy hierarchy list, it would be blacks, animals. White, you see where we where, where we're wrong here. Why is an yeah. animal life more value than mine's or my yeah, child's? That's mm-hmm. it. Save the puppy, but oh wait, no, don't worry about that guy getting choked on the street. In the oh, broad God. Daylight. Come on, bro. Like, nah, nah mm-hmm. I'm not with that. But th- that's that's the thing. Like, we are so devalued as a as a as a you know race of people. As a race of people. You know, let you would go out of your way to find any excuse why we deserve to die as opposed to why we should live. Mm-hmm. That's sickening to me. And it's those same people that are like, oh, my God, that beautiful puppy. He's getting choked out by that man. Oh, my God. Kill that guy. But don't don't worry about the man that gets choked out for minding his own business, trying to pay for something with a bill or the, the man who was jogging in the middle of the street. And gets ra- and gets raided by three white dudes. One of them tried to play hero by recording. It turns out he was one of the guilty parties. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, where do we? Where does the line get drawn here? Like we're humans too, people. Come on, man. Like twenty twenty should be. We should be better than this, but we're not, and that's the scary yeah. part. Yeah, it, we have a lot of work to do. Like we've come some ways, but we still have more ways to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and. What was nice, here's the thing that was kind of questionable. Like, I kind of toyed with it in my head, and I wasn't too sure how to feel about it. Um, What was nice is that people, some people have really woke up, and when they saw, for one, it was Ahmaud Arbery, it was uh, Breonna Taylor, and it was also George Floyd, and we saw people really wake up from deep slumber and see. And I'm not too sure if it took the pandemic where we had to be still for people to really be like, be shooken (laughs) or shaken out of their, you know, everyday life to see that this is an issue and it needs to be dealt with for people to finally get it. When we now say black lives matter, mind you, this is not everybody. This is some people. Um, It took us a pandemic where we had to be still for people to see, Oh, this is what they're protesting about. Mm -hmm. I get it. I'm a lot of people feel as though, why did it take a pandemic for you guys to see what we were talking about? A pandemic for us to finally convey the message for you to understand it. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can understand that under uh, why people are saying that, but I'm like, listen, it happened. It's here. Just take it. Yeah. You know, we were going to have yeah. our moment it, it, and it so happened to have come during the pandemic. Here it is. Now, what are we going to do now that they're awakened from deep slumber? Mm-hmm. You know, and we've seen people now protest and they get it. And now they want to educate themselves more and they want to learn. And I, I enjoy that. Um, I, I definitely like that. So to kind of get into it in terms of what I'm trying to say is we're seeing the awakened of allies. Mm-hmm. Now, what does it mean to be an ally, an effective ally? And how can, for our listeners who are not black, they're hearing our stories, they're hearing our struggles or frustrations. What can they do to help? Um, just listen, be open about the idea that when a black man tells you his personal experiences, that he's not exaggerating. Because like, I feel like a lot of people felt like it was just an exaggeration when they talk about, oh, well, listen, I've been pulled over while being pulled over, dropping off my girlfriend. Like I've told stories of this kind of stuff where a cop would actually like blare his lights into my in my car while dropping off my girlfriend in Lachim and him asking me, well, I'm not from here. So why am I here? Well, as you can oh. see, yeah, like this is the kind of things that I've experienced. And they're like, no, no oh, way. Wow. I mean, like driving a nice car and like, you know, you're getting pulled over for no random reason whatsoever. Like we, these are the kind of things that black people actually do experience, especially in Quebec, I find. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never lived in anywhere outside of Quebec, but mm-hmm. I know for a fact that especially when it comes to, like I said, being black and being English and and not not having um. I speak French, but it's not my first language. Yeah. You know, that dynamic also, I think, enhances the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But it, it enhances the, 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 the notion that we're, we're not of equal value. It enhances the, the, the idea that we can be picked on because of what we look like and what we're not, which is French. And, and that stands for all black and other yeah. Uh, melanated people, exactly. uh, any minority group here in Quebec, especially, are targeted, exactly. especially yep. if they don't speak English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, th- just be open and and listen. Don't don't necessarily have to speak. Just have a li- let's be open to the idea of listening to what a black man or a black woman is telling you about their personal experiences, and mm-hmm. have that reasoning to think, man, this is really effed up. Like this shouldn't be the case, but it is, and. We don't need you to, to go parading in the streets for no for you know for whatever godforsaken reason just for the sake of for uh, of doing it for show. If yes. you really want to do it, if you really want to be an ally, if you really want to you know be that positive force of change, you know, do stuff like, you know, listen to people, have an understanding of educating yourself, have an understanding of, you know, maybe reading some st- certain issues about police you know police altercations with black men and or black mm-hmm. women and why is it let's say for example um there's like 8.9 percent of the population in canada is black and like three and a half percent are incarcerated like it, it these are the kind of things that we have to have an understanding of why that is the case or like in toronto in ontario for example where you, i think you have the carding it's called carding right in where terms poli- of- police can like walk up to you and, yes, 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 and, yes, yes, and, yes. And basically just get your information for no probable cause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's black people are targeted at like a rate of 24 mm-hmm. percent 
which is crazy. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tone down, tone it down. Like, like, like these are the kind of issues that black people have to deal with on a regular basis that white people, I don't think are really understanding actually does exist. I'm pretty sure there's more white people that don't know what carding is as opposed to the people that do. Yeah. Which yeah. is nuts. Yeah. Britt, what do you want to add to the, the, the topic for allies to be an yeah. effective ally. My thing is always um, like for people who are parents or who want to be parents, teach your kids. It starts in the house. It starts at mm-hmm. a young age. Like we said, AJ happened to him when he was in grade three or four or my boyfriend too. I mean, I, we all experienced stuff in elementary school. So you need to teach your children so that they don't go out with these racist and anti-black um ideas and then they just end up becoming racist and having children that are and then it's just going to continue generationally and not to say yeah it's cycle and not to say that it's easy it's freaking not easy okay like for me i've been very uh black like pro-black in the house i didn't want her i think i said it on a previous episode last season i didn't want Mm -hmm. her to have white dolls i really wanted her to have black dolls black books i really want to enforce black 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 because the world will show her the white and i want to provide her with the black and Mm -hmm. let me tell you Mm -hmm. let me tell you my heart hurts my daughter this past couple weeks has been saying i don't like curly hair i only like straight hair yeah and her yeah. dolls that have straight hair, she's brushing them with like this look in her eyes that I recognize from myself yeah. when I was little, putting a towel yeah. on my head, pretending I had long straight hair. And you guys, I have bought her so many books. Uh, my hair is a garden, princess hair, all these books about how uh, like my mom got her, I think, this magical curly hair. And my mom always tells her, curly hair is magical. And I always mm-hmm. try to reinforce your curly hair is beautiful. It's magical. It's wonderful. And she's and we have these conversations like it's something that i make aware in the house all the time and she's still coming to me saying i don't like curly hair i like straight hair and she's four so yeah, yeah it's it's extremely hard to teach children because they're gonna see yeah they're gonna see these things she sees and look i'm part of the problem too i guess because i straighten my hair so mm. she sees my straight hair and she likes yep. to touch my straight hair and that's and i'm that, that's my issue where i don't feel confident rocking my natural hair because mm. I had that issue growing up. And it's just something that's like, you go back, back, back. My mom wore wigs and weaves and stuff. Not anymore. Now mm-hmm. my mom's natural. But I grew up with my mom having extensions and this and that. And my grandmother wears wigs. And it's just something that, like, it's hard to stop generationally. So yeah. it will not be easy Absolutely. to teach your children anti-racist behavior. But you have to try your best. Yeah. Because this is the future. This is really important. Having children, wanting a baby is cute. But this is a human being. They're not, mm-hmm. they don't stay little for long. They are an adult. They will become adults. They will be influencers in this world and, and could be good change. So try mm-hmm. your best. You will ha- find resistance. You will find questions or situations where you don't know how to respond, but just try your best. Yeah. As long as you try yeah. your best, that's all I can say. I can't get mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I wanted to correct myself on the uh, the stat about incarceration rate. It's eight eight point nine percent of uh, of the population in Canada is black, but the incar the the people that are incarcerated, the black people that are incarcerated make up three point five percent. Wow. In, in the prison system, that's which is still fucking crazy. I'm sorry, but like and this is this is in Canada. Yeah, this is in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So and and the rate has been going up every year. Like it's it's I think from between two thousand and. 
2003 to 2014, the rate actually increased by 90% of how many wow. black people are incarcerated federally. So it's 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 absolutely nuts. And sorry, just to jump on the, what, how people can help um, be open to other cultures that aren't aren't, aren't just white. Yeah. Be very open. Be free to understand that, hey, man, other people with different cultures is actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> even if mm-hmm. it's may, it's foreign to you, even if it may seem weird, just be open to it. Because at yeah. the end of the day, like this world is changing in so many ways. Like, I mean, we're, we're trying our best to weed out hatred and racism. Um, mm-hmm. But the best way to do that is to have a better understanding of other people. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that simple. Mm. Or at least I yeah. wish it was that simple. Yeah. Well, no, I think in theory, it, it, if people actually put it into practice, it is simple. Half yeah. these things, half the issues that were going on now, even COVID, it's simple. <laughs> How to solve it is very simple, but you have to get like 100% participation, which yeah. is difficult because there's people that are so, it's so in their brains. It's so like embedded in their DNA that they mm-hmm. cannot change. They cannot accept. And like you said, they can't be open. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. And it's just frustrating because, like you said, it's so simple. Just open your mind and so many great things could happen if you just yeah. let mm-hmm. yourself eat. Yep. 100%. I agree with you guys both on that one. I also, you know, educate yourself. Education is key, right? Um, and be prepared to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, because you're going to be having them. If you're really going to be an ally, you need to be uh, able to have those conversations and educate people and, you know, deal with the ignorance, you know, Mm -hmm. call people out. Don't just sit there and let them talk all that smack, knowing that they're wrong. If you're an effective ally, that means you're going to have to, you're going to be just as tired as us because you're going to be dealing with having to explain it and educating them and, Mm -hmm. um, arguing their cases. You know, don't just sit there because yes, you can be educate, you can educate yourself. Yes, you can be around other people like us. But if you're not fighting the fight with us, you're not having these discussions, then you're not being an effective ally because you're Mm going to allow people to continue with these, these ideas, these discussions. It starts with you. So if that means calling out, like you said, auntie, auntie, Mary, uncle, yeah, Bruce, whatever that's what you're going to have to do because we have to do it every day. It doesn't stop. Right. Cause you know, at the end of the day, we still, it's not like we could go to bed and we, we wake up with white, we black every day. Yeah, so this is a fight. Easy. Yeah. This is a fight every day for us. And so if you're going to be an effective ally, you need to have that fighting spirit with us. It's going to be exhausting. Not going to sit here and lie, but then you'll get to understand why we are so tired. Right. Why are we so angry? That's a great point. That is a great, I think that like, you know what? I'm going to co-sign on Michelle's. That is the biggest thing. If you can call out and fight against your family members, your friends, your coworkers, Mm -hmm. that's going to be so effective because I, I keep saying, as someone who is racially ambiguous and not visibly black, the amount of times that I've had conversations with friends, family, coworkers that have said, not, maybe not so much family because they know me. They know that I'm half right. black. But my fr- uh, my friends and coworkers, they wouldn't know. They would say such racist things in front of me. 
because they thought I was one of them. And those are the conversations that white people are having. And it's not like, oh, I could tell you one or two times. I could tell you, I can count on my hands, my feet, my daughter's hands, feet, my boyfriend. It happens all the time. So I know when I see that, I'm like, oh, you guys actually are talking shit about black people. Yep. This is this is a common yeah. conversation that you guys are having. So that needs to be shut the fuck down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it is true, but she's absolutely right. At the end of the day, like they they are one well, once again, like we talk about how we have to change our ways or, you know, act a certain way in front of white people at work. White people do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they they are friendly to your face, but then behind closed doors at the dinner table, oh, you know what yeah. the hell we're talking about. Like it's oh, yeah. you know, it, it's it's these are the kind of things that, you know, we have to weed out and the it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we we have to live in a society where people can actually still hate you based on the color of your skin. Yeah. But um, it's all about education and and having people with open minds to understand better about what other cultures are like. Yeah. At the end of the day, you guys have to be genuine. Don't do this for show. Don't do this for clout. God, don't do this for clout. Yeah, you know we don't want that. If you're gonna be fake, please go somewhere else because this is something that we have to deal with every day of our lives. We don't get to run away from it. So if you're gonna be genuine, really fight. If you're doing it for mm-hmm. clout, please go somewhere else because we don't Amen. need that. Amen. Guys, this has been a great conversation. Just gonna wrap it up, Andrew. Can you let our listeners know again where we can hear more of you if they want to subscribe to your podcast and any kind of social media platforms? Uh, I listen. Oh, I listen. Uh, you can listen to the Sports Jones podcast. Um, it's been about a month since I've actually recorded an episode, but I will be getting back to it in the new year. Um, but the Sports Jones podcast, and uh, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, it's Drew Bags with a Z, one seven. A special thanks goes out to AJ from the Sports Jones podcast for being on our podcast and having this discussion with us. Another special thanks to all those who have sent anonymous voice notes discussing about their experience on being black in Canada. If you enjoy this episode, as well as many others, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us.